Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Time to uh, turn a new page on the notebook here. So today is the 11th, I believe. Points going fast. We're, we're over a week and a half into the new year. <laughs> How'd that happen? Uh, time accelerates. You know, if you say time flies when you're having fun, you know, it accelerates when you're really having fun. <laughs> I'm really having fun. Uh, it was just yesterday I was doing a radio show, and here we are again. So we're just waiting for the, the lovely and talented Bill Fecky to check in. And we've got the Fecky report. Then we've got Wendy Arthur with the Oh My God report. And then we've got an hour where we can chat. Uh, and then we've got uh, Diane Warner with the uh, now the new uh, election integrity and medical freedom report because she actually has two specialties. So you know, rather than give her two reports, I just kind of you know merge them together. And so it's a big day. Uh, the title of the show today: the insights of Dick Morris. He knows Democrats. The, something fascinating um, about Dick Morris because he did work for the Clintons. I mean, he helped get Bill Clinton elected, which is kind of a horrible thought. Uh, but the second thing is, because he helped do that, he knows Democrats better than anybody. And I found more and more that his insights into politics are absolutely brilliant. I've tried to get him on the show. I try my best, <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, the, the, the minions, the gatekeepers, because of the massive censorship we're under, uh, it's, it's hard to break through a lot of times. But uh, once, once we are a, a huge, you know, household word and, uh, you know, the nation has caught on to the fact that uh, – you know, we're going to make, a, you know, talk radio obsolete at some point here, fairly, hopefully fairly soon. Uh, it, we're like the jazz singer, you know, when it comes to uh, silent movies. And uh, so we're, we're the first talking film in a, in a world of silent movies. We're the first action radio show in a, in a world of, of talk radio. So it's, it's really quite interesting. But, you know, whenever you're the first to do something, it takes longer. You have to do more. And it's just it's kind of pain in the butt. But that's OK. Um, since since, since uh, this is where it all started, this is where we're going to go for it. All right. So let's get to Bill and find out. He's got a lot of things to uh, do this. I'm really glad to have him back on. I know he took a little break there over Christmas, and uh, you know maybe I'll play him Jingle Bells or something like that someday. But uh, in the meantime, let's get to, or I'm going to scroll down here real quickly, the Fetke Report. Long Night Action Radio presents the Fetke Report. Action Radio Land. Resident Biden wants to get rid of gas stoves because the false claims <laughs> the false claim that they cause asthma with children. Uh, obviously, this is coming from the electric company lobbyists. But the important thing I just want to jump right into this morning is <laughs> the Republican Party has made a splash in D.C. and more specifically. The Freedom Caucus has become public enemy number one for for both parties. Um, well, I mean, so they, they right. have <laughs> they don't exactly. do anything right, though. <laughs> exactly. So you know, it, it, I always love reading the headlines. I, I really will read. I, I always look at every headline, and I could tell right away who wrote it by just how they put it. And so uh-huh. the very first headline I saw yesterday was anti-abortion Republicans. Uh, want to pass two 
outrageous laws. And you, and then they found this far far left wing rhino Republican. Uh, her name is Nancy Mace out of South Carolina. Uh-huh. Uh, to quote, we learned nothing from the midterms. Millions of women across uh, the, the board were angry over the overturning of Roe versus Wade. This is what the bill was that they're so outrageous about today. They want doc, the uh, it's a born alive bill that states uh-huh. a five year prison term to doctors who do not resuscitate failed abortion births. And then the second part of this bill is condemning threats to pro-life centers. Mm-hmm. Outrageous, Greg. This is absolutely outrageous that <laughs> a doctor should be punished for saving a life. Yeah, and or, or rewarded for killing one. <laughs> killing the thing exactly. The contrary point of view. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah. So, yeah, so th- this is what they're out- outrageous about today. And this mm-hmm. idiot from South Carolina who claims to be a Republican, Nancy Mace, is, is agreeing with all these left-wing nutjobs. So that That's- surprises me. Um, I've been in touch. I've been, I've been on Nancy Mace's Facebook page. I, I've tried to get her on the show. Normally she's pretty good. So this would be unusual. Is there any, anything explaining it? Have you read – you know, into the article, what's, what's, what's the logic? Sometimes, you know, it's like when they said Matt Gates was the only person to vote against an anti-terrorist bill. Well, he did it because it was stupid, duplicative, waste of time, and it wasn't what it said it was. Uh, and everybody else went along with it because it had the anti-terrorist label on it, but it actually, in fact, was a pro-terrorist, uh, pro-big government bill. And so a lot of times, you know, if you look more carefully into it, is there something more to this that, uh, that is not, uh, you know, immediately obvious? Well, of course, you know, uh, none of the... Uh, right-wing papers are, are covering this aspect. And of course, this is a major left-wing agenda point, and they are really okay. beating it into the ground. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and well, they don't so like her. I'm assuming that they don't, yeah, and, and I'm assuming that they're uh, picking and choosing the quotes that she made on this article. But for her Please. to make this specific quote, this specific quote has nothing to do with what might be inside the bill, it has to do with the name of the bill itself, which tells me that maybe she just didn't read the bill. Could be. I'm, I'm on her Facebook page right now. Let me see if I can see something. Else. What, what mm-hmm. was her exact quote again? We learned nothing from the midterms. Millions of women across the board were angry over the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Well, um, I mean, that's just a misstatement of, of what happened. I mean, Roe v. Wade had to be overturned because it was illegal. Uh, and, and the whole idea of a right exactly. to abortion, there is, no, there is no right to an abortion. You, you can't have a Correct. right to kill somebody else. So, I mean, we know all these things. You can't have rights over anybody else no matter what the, what the issue. Uh, and so that's, yeah, that's, and you uh, don't that's have pretty right, And you but, don't have right of, for medical care. You don't have the right to medical care, period. However, however here's my however. Um, the Republicans really screwed up in terms of this issue, issue because they never explained it to people. So what I'm guessing, if I, if I look into it more, what I think I'll find, and I could be wrong, but what I think I'll find is what Nancy Mace was really doing was criticizing the Republicans for not ad- taking this issue seriously. And that is, that is, and that criticism of the Republicans, she's absolutely correct, because they thought, oh, well, this isn't such a big deal. We get rid of Roe v. Wade. Life is great. And there's a lot of women that have been brainwashed 
to think that the Supreme Court creates rights, which is not true, that they can, um, you know, make stuff up in, and throw it, you know, it doesn't have to be in the Constitution, they can just say what they want, and that's not true, uh, that uh, the states could not, you know, enforce their own provisions, which wasn't true, uh, that Roe v. Wade was actually the law of the land, that wasn't true either. None of this stuff was explained by the Republicans ever in the 50 years that Roe v. Wade was on the books. It was never a legal decision. It was never within the power of the Supreme Court to do it. It never had to be followed. And the Republicans went along with it saying, oh, isn't this great? It's finally been overturned. Well, it was never legal anyway. And not one single gelding has, has gotten up and explained that, including Nancy Mace. So that's where, that's where right. I fault the gelding old party. Yes, even women can be geldings in the, in the Republican Party, uh, for those who know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so, so where's the real... So if you had to look at this, what would you have done if you were... Um, uh, Ronna, what's uh, Ronna McRomney? <laughs> you know, if you were head of the Republican Party, how would you have handled this issue differently? Pre midterm. Well, like I said, you, you, they had to get in front of it. And of course, they never did get in front of it. Don't have the media behind them, uh, first of all. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing is that, you Where know, buy the Democrat from? Party. They need to buy and, well, I've said this. Well, yeah, I mean, you could buy the commercials all you want, uh, but no, uh, no, buy they the don't media have to themselves. run it. Yeah, no, they need to actually buy well, well, that's where I'm, well, that's Well, that's where I'm going with it. Oh, uh, that's good. what I was trying to explain is that, uh, you know, the Democrat Party, the communists, you know, back in the 50s, figured out a way to destroy America and else mm-hmm. through our school system. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started putting the communists inside for teachers, inside mm-hmm. our professors, and they've done it for years of brainwashing to the point where all your media people went through this process, and now they're writing based upon what they were taught on how to be a communist. That's, how, that's what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Republicans, uh, conservatives, people that go to Catholic churches or Christian uh, churches, Christian colleges, we need to start doing the same thing with them. Mm-hmm. They need to get into the media. They need to get into teaching and teach the right beliefs, not this communist garbage beliefs. And honestly, in the communist nations, most abortions are illegal anyway. Mm, I don't think so. Uh, I think, in fact, Russia, the average woman has like five abortions. It's, it's a birth control thing. Check that out again. Uh, China, I know, has a one-child policy, so they, they, the, uh, the abortions are huge in China. Yeah, but in fact, it, it's caused no, such they, a lopsided they, population. They kill them after birth. <laughs> well, that's different. Yeah, but no, I think, I think, no, I think China has an abortion. I think China has a huge abortion policy. You know, they've got a situation now because of the one-child policy. And in fact, Gordon Chang explained this. Uh, there's this fascinating dynamic where you've got millions upon millions of, of Chinese men that will never be married because all, all their potential wives were aborted, you know, before birth. And so because you only have one child, the male child was looked at as the, the more favored one, the one that's going to carry on the family name, all this other stuff. But without the women, Correct. you know, you've got a problem. Well, you know, so this, that is actually changing. Uh, that okay. has actually been changing. Uh, Japan now is starting to uh, pay people to have kids. Uh, China mm-hmm. is looking at but doing the same of. thing because the, no, uh, Japan isn't. Uh, China is, right. but even China is looking at doing that now. Uh, even okay. Japan used to have kind of a, was kind of frowned upon. I don't know if it was actual law, but it was frowned upon to have more than so many kids. Uh, How but, many you know, was it? China one or now, two? Because it makes a I difference. Say two. I want to say See, two. At least at two, you've got replacement level, but because different people die early, you know, we just lost uh, Silk, for example. I mean, I mean Diamond. Sorry. No, I didn't offend anybody. Uh, Diamond, you know, Diamond and Silk just died at 51, you know, and I don't know if she had kids or not, but uh, you need more than, what is it? To, to keep your population stable, you need like, what, 2.3 kids, you know, per, per couple? Two, yeah, 2.3, yeah, yeah, 2. 2.5 kids per couple. 
in okay. order to repopulate the earth. Um, and China's finally realizing that. Now China has, has uh, lift, lifted the ban on their child policy mm-hmm. because they realize that they need women in order to repopulate the earth, <laughs> you know, repopulate so, China. <laughs> so here's a question for you. Yeah, here's a, here's a, here's a, a, a research question for you if you want to take this one on. How, how big is the gay population of China, given the fact that so many uh, women uh, were aborted uh, as babies? I'm just curious, you know, like, like the Chinese army. It would be, how, how gay is Yeah, that'd Chinese be a very army? interesting question. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I don't know. Well, I think it'd be impossible to find out something like that because China on hiding information like that. Well, it's just, but it's just fun to ask the question. You, think about it. If you look at any forced male population, prisoners, all right, you know, there are no women around, uh, uh, any kind of uh, isolated male-only environment. Uh, I think homosexuality rises just out of, you know, human companionship. Uh, but I'd be very curious, mm-hmm. in a nation where they have purposely aborted millions of, of, of female babies, what does that do to the gay population of, of a country? I'm just curious. I'm just asking the question. It, it, you know. No, that'd be a very, that, that is a great question. And I, um, it's something that, I, like I said, I don't know how, you know, the way that China controls data mm-hmm. that comes out of their country, I think it'd be very hard to find that out. Well, where's, uh, our, where's our LGBTQ you know, folks? I mean, why aren't they bragging about this? Say, look, look what happened. See, China's, you know, China's the gayest nation on earth. Uh, you know, I mean, there's got to be a source. Somebody's looking into this. Some sociologist, somebody somewhere is looking into this. We just haven't, we just haven't asked the question online yet, but, you know, check it out. All right. Let me know what, let me know what you find. <laughs> okay. Your mission. All you right, decide so to accept it, Mr. Phelps. Let's get topic. on to the big, big subject at hand. And that is a bill has been filed to abolish the IRS. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? This is very interesting. And it's very, it's not going over well if you just read the headlines in the, in the papers, of course, because once mm-hmm. again, the Democrat papers are trying to state that this is uh, just to cater the rich people, which we know is not the case. Uh, but it, the IRS is going to be abolished. And... Mm-hmm. They're going to put a consumption tax in its place. So fair tax. Fair tax, yes. Consumption Mm -hmm. tax, fair tax. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so they're going to have a huge marketing problem with this. Mm -hmm. And this is why. Over 48% of all Americans do not pay income tax. Mm. Oh, it's actually higher than that. It's about 51, 52. That's how they're getting away with uh, all the stuff they're getting away with. That is over 48%, right? Oh, wait a minute. So you said 40% are paying taxes or are not? <laughs> I might have misheard. No, 48, 40, over 48% do not pay taxes. 50, yeah, 50% no, it's over half. is over 48. It's over half now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. Well, that's true, yeah. But it's, yeah, I don't know what the, the exact figures are, but it's, it's, well, it's, it's a few percentage points over half, which means that more people are not paying taxes, which means it's easier to vote for tax increases because those people are getting the benefits uh, of not paying taxes and they're getting the subsidies, the, uh, the child care, the, the, all the different credits and things like that. That's transfer of wealth. That's how the Democrats maintain party uh, power. Excuse me. They maintain the party. Exactly. Too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, so, ne- so now we're going to have a huge marketing issue with this because you're mm-hmm. talking about 48% who don't pay taxes are mm-hmm. now going to have to pay more for food, mm-hmm. gas, mm-hmm. car, uh, this is going to not bode well for the Republican Party. Um, I, I'm actually I'm for this. I've always been for this. 
this is going to actually cause a lot of issues and could cause the Republican Party to not be in power in two more years and lose the presidential election if they well, go through with this. Let's talk about the fair tax for a minute because there's a couple of problems I have yeah. with it. First of all, what is the rate that they, that they tax? What is the fair tax set at? Well, they haven't set – nothing is set in stone, but the, uh, the fictitious number that has been thrown around for years is 15%. Okay. It's, it's actually – well, my reading is 17 to 23%. Uh, even at 15%, what, they come up with this concept called revenue neutral. Do you know about that? I have not heard that specific term. I probably heard the definition, though. Okay, so revenue neutral is where the fair tax or the consumption tax or the national sales tax would raise the same amount as the income tax. So the problem with the fair tax is that it's, once again, a Trojan horse. It's like the balanced budget amendment. If you read the details, it's a lie. What you really want to do is set the, the national sales tax at a rate far below the current income tax to, have, to cure exactly the problem that you're talking about, say 5%. And, oh, I know the government won't have as much money. I don't want it revenue neutral. I want it revenue negative <laughs> for the government. The government right. should, if you're going to go to all the trouble to do this, then you should have, people should actually have that benefit uh, of, of getting that money. Now, what you should also do is get rid of all these subsidies and credits and everything else and just uh, have a straight tax. But you also have to have a marketing campaign that say, look, you don't have to pay a huge amount of tax. It just depends on what you consume. So you can, if you want to save and be thrifty and, and just load up that bank account and invest in anything you want to invest in, uh, then, um, then you don't have to buy a whole bunch of extra stuff, okay? Um, and then here's another thing you can do. Remember when credit card interest was, was deductible? No, I do not. Well, you must be young. <laughs> credit card interest was deductible. <laughs> okay. so, but there was a time, when, in fact, there was a time when you could own a, an airplane and, and charge it off as a business expense. So what you really want to do along with this is exempt certain things from sales tax. You know, so like, or you, you, along with this bill, you say, okay, well, we're going to go back and say the credit card interest is either deductible or a tax credit. So there's no, there's no penalty, um, you know, on you for, for whatever, or for the interest, you know, you get a, you get a benefit because you're spending, you're actually, you know, improving the economy by spending money uh, and a bunch of things like that. But they really have to take a serious look at this whole concept of revenue neutral. That's a problem. Uh, the other problem is, well, okay, so, in, so that's uh, the first problem. I, I, let's I, I deal with that one. Yeah, I wanna, yeah, let's deal with that one first, because okay. this is the issue that we have with the federal government. Mm -hmm. Too much is never enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and once you have a tax, it usually never goes away. It only mm -hmm. increases. Mm -hmm. So you may go ahead right now and lower your sales tax, but at some point in time, because the federal government has a spending issue that it can't get rid of, they're mm -hmm. going to realize that they're running a deficit, and they're going to say, oh, we need to raise the sales tax, or we need mm -hmm. to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, that is, and then when you talk about sales tax, you're also talking about, each individual state, each individual county. Well, state, sales tax doesn't go to the federal government anyway. It go, it's state and local tax. Well, that's what this consumption tax would be. It would do that. But you're talking about lowering the sales tax to remain uh, revenue. Well, no, I'm saying, I'm saying if you replace the income tax with a sales tax, it has to be at a lower level than the income tax. Otherwise, there's no point. Okay, so what is – okay, so the problem with that is when you've got 52% not paying taxes – Mm -hmm. How are you going to lower it from zero? Hmm, exactly. Uh, well, in that case, <laughs> well, at the same time, you'd have to uh, – well, well, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. 
I, I don't uh, know, except for the fact that uh, you have to find a way to lower people's overall expense somehow. And I'm not sure. That's a good, that's a problem. I haven't, I haven't you know, thought that one through yet. But there's another problem, too, in that if you, unless you get rid of the, the constitutional amendment that created, that allowed for a federal income tax, then the federal government is simply going to replace the, uh, the IRS with something else. So unless this addresses that issue, none of this matters. You have to remove the Correct. federal government to, to tax incomes. That would be, that's how I'd, that's how I'd phrase it. And so, yeah, we're going to, the, you know, yeah. there could be a national sales tax or what is a better plan. This is, this is why I don't like the fair tax at all, is that the, you go back to the old system, you know, where the states pay the tax to the federal government. The, the states collect the tax from the people and, and it's apportioned to the federal government. So each, tax, each state pays, you know, a fee, you know, pays the tax to the federal government based on their population. So that's the, that's the real cure. So the fair tax is really obsolete for just the reason that you say people don't pay tax. The rate is the, the reason yep. I've said the rate is too high, uh, and so this is kind of a stupid issue. And as long as you leave the ability, as long as you leave the Constitution you know, with the ability of the federal government to tax incomes, it doesn't matter. They're going to keep both. They're Correct, both because tax and uh, income tax. Because they're, all know. they're doing right now, uh, the the bill mm-hmm. that I'm I'm understanding the the bill is just basically defunding the IRS. The same way they well, then, defunded Obamacare, but Obamacare mm-hmm. is still going stronger than ever yeah. before because yep. they did not remove it. Mm-hmm. And if they would have removed it, then uh, Biden and his Gestapo would never have been able to reenact it. Well, and, I call this an Obamacare bill. Yeah, I, I call this an Obamacare yeah. bill. This is what I'm starting to call. In fact, it's, it's a really good point you just made that uh, any bill that the Republicans pass knowing that it will never become law is, is an act of cowardice. It's an Obamacare bill. In other words, the Republicans, yep. you know, got rid of Obamacare in the House, uh, what, 70 times or something they had a vote to get rid of it? But as soon as the, the Senate went Republican, they stopped doing it. Why? Because it might pass. <laughs> you know, there's exactly. the same thing here. They're a bunch of liars, a bunch of cowards, liars, and geldings. So that they would never yep. pass, they never, they never passed it when they had the Senate majority. You know, they never, had the, they never considered the fair tax. They only consider it when it, when it can't possibly work or, or be passed. So this is this is well, comes course, under because, uh, because you're talking about lobby. Is, you're talking about the insurance yeah. lobby who is so strong and powerful, and they mm-hmm. have ever since Obamacare went into effect, they have tripled their rates. Uh, Blue yeah. Cross is a great example of it. I'm going to use them as an example only because okay. I had them in the past. Um, and, I, and it's just not Blue Cross. It's every single company across the board. Uh, mm-hmm. When I had Blue Cross back in the uh, before Obamacare. I was paying about $200 a month for my insurance with about $1,000 deductible. Hmm. Obamacare goes into effect. All of a sudden, I'm paying $900 a month with a $9,000 deductible. Mm-hmm. That's because you had to support what, what the changed? Debbies and the illegal aliens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. so, that, so that's, you know, and it's going to be the same thing with consumption tax, where you're going to see certain areas are going to be charged a whole lot more than other areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to buy votes, um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if you start seeing uh, a special card being delivered to people. If they do get rid of this and it becomes a consumption tax, you will see a card being delivered to people, those 52%, that will have their mm-hmm. consumption tax waived, and they'll have to show that card every time they go to the store. Uh, <laughs> that is one thing that they have, ta- they have talked about that before, and yeah. it's pr- pretty much probably going to end up happening. So still, only 48% of us are going to be paying that consumption tax, or so they're going to have to raise even higher to make up for the other 52% that are still living off government dole. It's just uh, being repackaged a different way. 
Mm, we should tax those benefits. We should tax welfare benefits, you know, so that uh, you, you, you end up paying back whatever you take from the government but, uh, or us. But, uh, yeah. Now, the, the first thing that if you're going to pass a fair tax, the first thing you have to do is get rid of all tax credits and tax deductions. So everybody pays something. That's the first thing. Then it becomes a lot easier to do it. So that, I guess that would be the way to answer your first question. How do you market this? You get rid of all the tax deductions and credits and say, these aren't coming back. But I still think you need a constitutional amendment to remove the power of the federal government to tax, uh, and that's the best way to approach it, just like I believe a constitutional amendment to remove the power of Congress to, to borrow money is the solution to inflation, uh, bad economies, and everything else. But a, a couple of simple amendments, one that just simply repeals – well, there's three things that need to be repealed. We've talked about this before. The 1913 needs to be repealed. The Federal Reserve Act, yep. uh, the, sen- the senators you know, have to go back to being elected by the state legislatures, and you have to get rid of the income tax amendment. So you do those three things. You get rid of 1913, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll go back to being a much freer country. Correct. Now, I do want to say one positive thing. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of positive things about abolishing the IRS. Uh, mm-hmm. But one of the main things is that, you know, it's, you know, it's tax season, so all the tax memes are coming out. And one of mm-hmm. my favorite memes that I've seen is the one that says, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna punish you for doing for you doing your own taxes, even though we know, you know. And uh, oh, I can't I just lost my train of thought on it. But basically, the meme is pretty funny, saying that uh, even though we know how much you make, you have to tell us how much you make, and if you're wrong, we're gonna penalize you. You know that's a really great <laughs> okay. point. Uh, if this came up when we wrote the bill, yeah. the mandatory uh, citizenship question on the census, and one of the callers said, wait a minute, the IRS knows everything about you anyway. They know who's paying taxes. They know where you are. They know what you make. They know everything about you. This can all be done by computer. Yep. We, you know, we don't need a census, and we, and we don't. The only census we really need to take is on the illegal aliens. We need to count all of them. Correct. That would be a good project. But let's think about that for a second. Why, you know, if the IRS already knows, you know, then, uh, then why do we file returns? And it, it, it's exactly what you say to see if you're honest, to see if you'll comply. Yeah, but they didn't yeah. always know that. Now, I, they I didn't do, always know it. I do want you know, to say back one thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Correct. Uh-huh. Uh, I do want to say, though, with uh, companies, what you will see also, I do believe, is that companies will actually be hiring more people if you get rid of the IRS. Uh, there will be more disposable income. And, like, for me, for example, I'm an, uh, I'm an S-Corp, and mm-hmm. I have three, three partners. And we pay, you know, the, with the S-Corp, even if you don't take money out of the company, you still have to pay taxes on your personal taxes for profit. Even mm-hmm. if you leave the profit in the business and don't take it out, you still get charged, uh, you still get taxed on it. Mm-hmm. And so by me not being taxed on it in the future, I'd actually be able to hire more employees. I'd be able to purchase uh, more items. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, I'm worrying. I'm worried right now about being. I have, I'll end up paying over thirty thousand dollars in taxes this year. Mm. Uh, between you my better accountant. Yeah, get a better accountant. No, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, here's a question about accounts because this is something I've always yeah. I've always done my own taxes. I mean, I'm a sole proprietor here at Action Radio, uh, you know, and I have to stay a pro. Well, I do it anyway, but I have to stay a for-profit company because if I ever try to get non-profit status, I can't lobby. I can't do all the things that we that I hope, that I set this thing up to do. So all donations, right. everything like that, gets gets declared, right? Just because that's those are the rules, you know. But I, you know, I don't mind pushing the rules, but I certainly don't want to break them. Uh, was that that from the the movie? Was it The Firm? You know, I don't care about an audit. Just don't lose. <laughs> it was that kind of thing. Exactly. So, but the question, yeah. But but the question is, how many accountants 
are costing their, their clients money because they're more afraid of their license than they are of, of actually taking deductions that, and, and credits that people are legitimately entitled to just because they think the IRS you know, looks out for them, like the home, mortgage, the, the home office deduction, for example, you know, things like that. Uh, how many people don't yeah. take well, that? Okay. They, you know, go ahead. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, um, cause I've been on both sides of it, and I've seen both sides of it. To where I've seen I've looked at life from okay. both sides now. From okay, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I, you know, I, I we have a mm-hmm. we have a very conservative accountant right now, uh, but you know we still do the home office and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know I I have seen aggressive accountants who have cost uh, one of my friends five hundred thousand dollars. You see, that's the other problem. The- <laughs> They've got to be good, but you, know, you go up to the line and you don't cross it. You know? I mean, t- take what you're legitimately entitled to take, but don't take more. You know, well, but, I mean, it, it, it was one of those, it was one of those, well, yeah, but type of things where <laughs> well, it don't do really it. wasn't. Yeah, ex- well, exactly. And that's what I'm saying with the whole thing is that for every ultra-conservative accountant you have, you have mm-hmm. uh, the same amount of overly aggressive ones. and you know, in the end, it's just whatever you feel comfortable doing and playing ignorant or saying, well, I don't understand this is not a good enough answer. If you own a business and you're doing taxes, you better have a, uh, an idea about what's right and what's wrong. And yeah, it, it really just follow the instructions. That's what I do. I read the instructions. You know, they're, they're actually fairly straightforward. Don't talk to, to somebody at the IRS. They have no clue what, what, what's actually in the instructions. You're better off just reading them. No, they don't. But uh, – yeah. It, it's uh, but it, it, this is this is a you know a, a fascinating thing, um, but uh, that you know you are entitled. I mean the IRS even said so. Take the deductions that uh, that you're entitled to. But most people overpay. I, I think I heard some staggering statistic. Uh, most people pay over three thousand dollars more than they need to um, per year in taxes because they simply don't take what they're entitled to. Uh, the other thing is, Correct. did you did you see the Reason article that just came out? And I got Wendy on the line, so I'll bring her in just a second here. Uh, but there's a Reason article that said that the IRS is going after all the lower income folks because it's easy. You know, they don't go after the millionaires because yeah. the millionaires have accountants and lawyers. You know, so that's a struggle. Uh, whereas they used to go after them because that's where the money was, the, the big money was. Now they're going after everybody. You know, they'll, they'll send out a letter and people, go, oh no. There's the brown paper envelope or whatever it looks like, you know, and they'll say, oh, no, I've got to, I've got to, you know, the IRS, they'll, 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 they'll take everything. Well, they, they legally can't, you know, I've talked to the IRS. They can't, yeah. Yeah. I had a but no, real I, quick. Going, yeah, after the, going after the poor people has always mm-hmm. been what the government does um, yeah. do, and it's always mm-hmm. been that case. It always will be that case. And the quote, unquote, poor people are not really poor. They just know how to use the system. Um, I mean, if you could Vimo $600 to somebody and you're yep. on welfare, there's mm-hmm. something else going on, okay? Because mm. yeah. the welfare, welfare checks are not that much here in Florida. You get 225 a week for unemployment. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how the welfare checks work for the kids or whatever. Um, I know that there's in Florida it's more about uh, services. So, you know, you'll get your voucher for daycare. You'll get a certain amount of money for food, you know, a debit card for food. Uh, yeah, but most and, of these people that are, and $1, welfare $1, are also Mexico. working. thousand dollars yeah. in Mexico too. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Yeah. yeah okay. So, uh, yeah. So, so you do have a lot of uh, people who do have cash available that are not paying taxes and probably should be paying taxes. I think that's the idea behind it. It's just mm-hmm. it's a flawed system when you're talking about a cashless society. You know, what what was a gift? What was to help pay a bill? You know, you know, what was earned income? 
It's such no, a great I, I, area. I, want, I don't want a cashless society. That's not the question. Listen, I got Wendy yeah. here, so I want to bring her in uh, and play her theme. But uh, this is a good one. We, yeah, need, to, we need to focus um, I, more I on gotta this. Go but, earn, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it more next week. I got to earn my dollar for today, uh, or actually uh, seventy-five cents until the until the IRS is gone. Then I can earn my dollar again. And... <laughs> the IRS will just be replaced by it. They'll just call it something else. They'll create another agency, replace it with something else. This is the, we, exactly. we need a name for what the, for what the Republicans are doing. Uh, without being too crude, but the term you know legislative masturbation comes to mind. <laughs> this is the first thing I thought of, right? Um, and so uh, but, but, I don't know what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, I'm going to leave good, it like this. While but I, I'm just going to leave it at this. Is that uh, yeah, I'm still waiting for the term limit bill. So okay. have a good rest of the show. Okay. Take care. Uh, we just lost Wendy, so hopefully she'll call right back again. But, yeah, I, th- we need a term for, for something that, that feels good but doesn't accomplish anything. I think legislative masturbation, if I can actually say that and not be too crude, uh, is kind of funny. All right, here's Wendy. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. You know, I was just thinking, we were, we were talking off the air before the show about uh, possible topics. You know, this would be a great time to go into to why we tithe, you know, the whole definition of tithing, and how that fits in, you know, God's tax. Yes. You know, God only wants 10%, um, but uh, the IRS wants, what, 50? <laughs> so it's a little, a little bit screwed yeah. up. Well, and, and tithing is not a tax. So, you know, yeah. I, I want to separate that thought uh, mm-hmm. from tithing um, because yeah. um, whenever you're talking about people's money, you know, they're already on the defensive. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> tithing is not a tax. Tithing is uh, given in honor. Mm-hmm. And it not only are you giving it in honor because you are acknowledging God for who He is, mm-hmm. um, it because God don't need our money. <laughs> M- money yeah. is 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 just yeah, down here. Point. I mean, this is yeah. something yeah. we have to use as a tool um, mm-hmm. to do business and to to acquire the things that we need for our families. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that it's not a tax. What what this is is it's a way to get. Um, the other 90% because the tithe means tenth. It literally means a tenth. So God is asking for a tenth of your income. Why? And not just any part of your income, the first part of your income. Why? If God doesn't need money, why is he requiring the pay before anything else is done with it? Why is he asking for the first part? And here's the reason. Because that tenth is holy unto the Lord. When you give God what is holy, he, can, he makes the rest, the 90% that you keep, he makes that holy and blessed. It multiplies. If you do not give God what is holy and rightfully belongs to him, then it's just mammon. Your money is just called mammon. It's not blessed. It just goes away. All you're doing is paying uh, bills with it or whatever you're doing with it or, or repairs that didn't have to happen. It, mm-hmm. He says when you tithe, when you give God what is holy and belongs to him, then the rest of it's blessed. That means he, he rebukes the devourer for your sake. Go read in Micah. And he says, I will do that. This is what you – the benefit – of giving me what's mine, 
is. I rebuke the devourer for your sake. It means that flat tire you would have had, you won't have. That the, the washer that goes out that you didn't have to have the $250 repair bill for, that doesn't happen. I mean, he rebukes the devourer for your sake because the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to mm-hmm. steal your money. He's going to steal your peace. He's going to steal um, stuff from you. He, he's going to make sure that things happen in your life that require you to pay what you don't have to, to have what's necessary. And it's just like putting your, 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 the water in, in a bucket with a hole in it. If you want to be blessed financially, mm-hmm. uh, you want it to multiply instead of go away <laughs> and disappear into a bucket with a hole in it, then tithe. Yeah, give 10% of the first 10% of your, of your income mm-hmm. to the Lord. And that means you can give it to, if, if you're attending a good Bible-believing church and they're doing what's right with the money, tithe there. If you are not in a church or if you're going to a church that isn't doing right with the money, give it somewhere else. But give it to the Lord and his work and, and make sure that where you're giving it is doing his work. Um, you know, the way it says to in Scripture. <clears throat> so, and it's um, a lot of ministries out there need donations. You know, they're helping homeless people. They're, they're helping people get off drugs. They're helping families, you know, uh, get the help that they need um, just, just to make it another day. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ministries out there um, that you can tithe to if you're not involved in a church. So, you know, there's, there's your money tip for today. If you want it to multiply and you have, you know, God bless what you're doing, tithe. Hmm. It makes a lot of sense. That was, that was my question: is how how one one can pay a tithe? Can it be done through through work as opposed to actual income, or does it really just it has to be an income thing? Um, it, it's saying you tithe off of your income. Okay. Now you can tithe time, you know, because you, you can do all all kinds of stuff. If you don't have income, mm-hmm. tithe time, because you know that's what I'm thinking. My current situation. <laughs> You know, because I, I try to do good. I'm hoping that the the good work that I'm doing, you know, is is uh, kind of covering this with God, just because of uh, you know a struggling entrepreneur here. And so this, I'm curious. I'm this is why I ask, you know, I'm asking the question: How can I contribute? How can I do my tithe? And and I don't know. Is there other? You know, is it strictly a money thing to give to somebody else to do what I might be doing here anyway? <laughs> I'm just kind of curious. Well, and the good thing is, it's God is a personal God. Ask him. Ask him. Say, oh, I don't point. have um, money, God. What do you want mm-hmm. me to tithe? And, yeah. and, but you know what? If, if you're making $10 a week, mm-hmm. take that dollar. Give a, and, give a dollar. And yeah. I, I'm telling you, give a dollar because you will get a blessing. But that means the $9 that you keep is going to multiply. It's not mm-hmm. just going to be $9. So, you know, I'm just saying that it's... It, I, I have tithes, tithes as little as, as like 42 cents before because mm-hmm. that's all I made that week. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> but, I, and I, I look back when I was a single mom raising three kids by myself with no help. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There is no way that my little part-time job um, that I was able to get because um, I was a stay-at-home homeschooling mom before mm-hmm. she walked out, um, right. that there's no way on paper I could have ever made that. There's just no way. Yet I made the house note every month. I had mm-hmm. food on the table. Maybe it wasn't it wasn't steak. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, yeah. But, been there. But, but the kids were fed. 
you know, um, and yeah. gas is in the car for me to go to work. I'm, I'm telling you, God makes a way for all to work out when it is impossible on paper. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 and I see that too, but this is why I'm, I'm thinking to myself here as uh, you know, that, that I've always, as I've gone through this crazy process and it's like the, the enemy has taken and, and God has put back and this has been going on for a couple of years now. It, it's really a fascinating thing to watch. Um, but tithing is something that I don't think about as much as I should, and it probably would make much more sense to do so. So I think that we definitely need a reminder on that as to as to you know but why you, the rest. You, need, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, if, if you need money to work with tithes, I'm telling yeah. you, just that one little step of obedience mm-hmm. opens up a whole new world to you. Hmm. Because you're tying God's hands. If you don't tithe, you're tying His hands because He okay. cannot bless mammon. He will not bless mammon. Because mm-hmm. that's that's just world money. It means nothing mm-hmm. to him. But what what he will bless what's holy. And if you give him the tenth that's holy, the rest of it becomes holy and blessed, and it multiplies. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, I got to work on that part mm-hmm. now. So so this, this is my 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 project for for you know, now until. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get, your, uh... your, your spiritual experiment. Yeah, see if it works. <laughs> Well, it, but, yeah, but it, it, I know it does. I just, I, like I say, there's just I, I forget things, and this is why this is why you're here. Yeah, this is why this is why I asked. Right. Okay, all right, makes sense. And as I had, um, usually God gives me a topic, and and He did not give me one for today. So this is like random truth bombs. Just yeah, anybody who has a question, um, I I doesn't matter. There is no such thing as a silly question because if you're wondering about it, or if it's something that's always crossed your mind every once in a while, you just never. And nobody's ever really satisfactory answered anything. I don't know if I'll give you a satisfactory answer, but I can tell you I'll give it to you from the Bible. So, <laughs> yeah, we should do that. I should encourage this more often with certain reports that people can uh, that you can text in, um, or you can do our live chat and you can type in a, a question. You can call two one five three eight three three eight three two. We've got the Skype line for international calls. You can call us, you know, live from anywhere in the world. One of the problems uh, that we've always run into because we're a worldwide show, um, because of all the different time zones. And, uh, is that uh, most people listen by podcast. So we do a live show, yes. and it's very lively, but still more and more people are listening by podcast. I'll tell you what else people can do, too. We're, our, our Oh My God group, our Facebook Oh My God group is growing. Yes. Uh, we, we just have new members. You know, I mean, the new members are coming all the time. They're contributing. They're writing things. You know, I almost started as a joke. I'm thinking, let's have an Oh My God group, right? The title is kind of funny. Um, but the more I did it, the more people you know, took it seriously and showed me that, yeah, there's something really here that there's a need to talk about this uh, on social media. I don't know how many other social media sites do what we do in a way that is as open as we are, that isn't part of a ministry, that isn't part of a church, but it allows people to express you know, anything you know, and ask any question, and it's okay. And so that's something that's, uh, that's another place people can reach us. I don't currently have a call or, or anything on, on live chat right now, so we don't, we don't have a question at this time. I, of course, had one for you, but I had a couple of them <laughs> that, that I threw at you. Uh, last minute, which is kind of how we do things. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated with, with the Catholic Church because I don't know a lot about it. I've had friends that were Catholic. You know, when I grew up around uh, Boston uh, in, in Lexington, and there were, you know, you know some of my best friends were Catholics, you know, and, and Jewish and Protestant and everything else. But um, the, the Catholic Church, you know, the whole idea of a pope, is, is the pope, do they literally consider this God's representative just because they ordained this person? Or, or how, and, and what's, what's all the, you know, everybody was covering the funeral. And in fact, you actually saw the dead body of, uh, I think it was, it was Benedict or, or Francis or one of them. I lose track of my popes. Yeah, the but, uh, pope, yeah. 
Yeah, but they're right there. It's like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And I've been to the Vatican. I mean, uh, you want to talk about uh, high rent? I mean, the Vatican is unbelievable. I mean, it's the most beautiful, yeah. opulent building. And yet they still have the collection box everywhere. And I watch these poor Italian women, you know, wearing black, uh, like Greek women. You know, you reach a certain age, you have to start wearing black. And, uh, and they were donating what, it, what appeared to be some of the last of their money to the Catholic Church. I'm thinking, you know what? That may be tithing, but I don't know if the Catholic Church really needs it. You know, when you, when you see all the, 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 the splendor and the gold and everything else that's, that's in the Vatican. And I walked all over. I went even up in those little those towers where the stairway gets crooked, you know, because they, they actually they carved the stairway into the top of these, these, uh, these round yeah. domes. And you have to walk at an angle. I was there. You know, I saw that stuff. Well, the, uh, the, the Vatican mm-hmm. has a lot to answer for. Okay. And, um, it, it is, it, uh, more and more things will be exposed about um, the Vatican. Uh, and, and the Catholics look at the Pope as all, literally just God on earth, um, that he, he, whatever the Pope says, God says. I mean, that's, mm. that's how high they hold him. Um, okay. And the Popes are some of the most corrupt, <laughs> corrupt individuals on earth. Um, and you can tell me what is wrong with this picture. Mm-hmm. The church tells you, you have to take a vow of poverty, but you yourself saw that they are not living in poverty at the Vatican. <laughs> oh, they yeah. have literally basements full of priceless works of art. Uh-huh. They have their own bank. That's how much money they have. Yeah. Um, they and own property everywhere. Yet, All those churches around everywhere. the world, that's real estate. <laughs> and they're not doing good things with it either. Yeah. Um, so, and there, and the Pope that just died, um, was fixing to tell people about some of the things that go on in those underground rooms. Oh, that's interesting. And, um, how, how convenient. And yes. And all of a sudden he wakes up dead. So, um, um, yeah, well, actually, he was he up there. Wake up. But, <laughs> he didn't wake up. That was the problem. I'm just teasing yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it was, you know, I'm being facetious. But, you know, there's, yeah. it, there's a lot going on in the Vatican uh-huh. that sticks and be exposed. Mm. Um, and people are going to drop their jaws as to the heinous, wicked, evil things going on there. Um, well, and did, has been for years. How did the Catholic Church get started? I mean, we may want to take another, you know, several more shows on this. But at what point did they split from... You know, Jesus and the apostles and the original, uh, after Jesus was crucified, the original Christianity, when the church first got going, at some point along the way, you know, the Catholics split off. I mean, I don't, this is, I'm sort of like lacking my religious history. When did that happen? Or is this something you want to like present later? But how, what's the basic idea? Um, I, I don't know when that happened. I just know that Constantine, um, okay. you know, it happens somewhere around his era. 600 uh, AD, but, maybe? Is that about when we're talking about, or earlier than that, or 300? I'm just... Pianco probably history. know, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, right, we'll, we'll look it up. I mean, this is, this is an interesting topic. But the Catholic Church yeah. split, and why did, why did they leave? What, uh, what was their, their problem? I know what Henry because, VIII's problem was with Protestantism, but what, what, was, what was the Catholic problem? Well, the problem is it, you know, the wrong deity. You know, um, oh. Jesus was – every denomination has a revelation, basically, that they have built their, their denomination on. Okay. The Catholics 
um, were really, really good at understanding the revelation of Jesus' crucifixion on the cross and what that meant. Mm-hmm. That's great. And then it got perverted along the way because mm-hmm. then it wasn't about Jesus anymore. It was about Mary. And then it was about the Pope. And then it was about the, calling the priest father when Scripture clearly says, do not call anybody father except God. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Um, there's there's all kinds of perversions and um, deviant, <laughs> the, um, just butchering well, of the scriptures. <laughs> well, yeah, this is what I'm curious about. See, I've always been uh, I've been fascinated by the, the the you know turn towards Mary, and it's always the Virgin Mary. Like, it doesn't matter anything else about her, but the fact that she was virgin, and it's almost like they they think that all women have to be virgin or not, you know, or or the other extreme. Uh, and and it, it gets weird. I mean, Catholics have like a weird view of women. They, they uh, you know, the priests have to be men, but they have to be celibate. You know, two things that are completely unnatural for any any profession, really. Um, exactly. And matter of fact, there is scripture that says, "Do not require um, that. You do not forbid to marry." Ooh. And, do you and have what does a, the Catholic Church do? Do you have a quote on that? Which which uh, uh, chapter and verse, and, and which uh, which book? You don't have uh, to have it now. I'm just, you know. that really quick. Okay. Yep. Come on now. Yeah. She's got a God computer, little... by the way. It, it goes directly to the pipeline. You know, in fact, God hasn't called <laughs> in this morning, but you never know. He does that periodically on the show. The phone rings. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> 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 See, but, okay. but the, the reason I want this is because this voice destroys the, the justification for the, the priesthood. I mean, this, vo- this, this verse, excuse me, not voice, but this verse destroys the, the whole justification, you know, this whole idea of, of the celibate priest who's supposedly closer to God for sacrificing for something that the Bible specifically prohibits. That, to me, is interesting. Well, and yes, and I, I don't understand um, why they, they go against scriptures when they're supposed to be supposedly representing God. Mm-hmm. Um, just something is seriously not right. Um, well, why do a mass in Latin for a language that nobody understands? You know, what are you hiding? <laughs> you know. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, First uh, Timothy four three. By the way, First um, Timothy the, four, chapter four, verse three. Mm-hmm. And let me. And it says. Actual, I'm hold, hold on here. I gotta. That's okay. I I guess, time. I, I'm, I'm getting. We got ten I, minutes. I don't. Actually, we a whole King hour. James. Yeah. Well, you can do King James, and then the. I don't know if you have the Hebrew or Greek, but it's always different. Uh, this is why I find it so fascinating that King James. You know, why do we t- why do we take a, a British monarch's view of Christianity as opposed to uh, the original scriptures? That's something else I find yeah. interesting. Well, let, let's just start with verse one. Okay. Uh, in First Timothy chapter 4, it says, Now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. Through the hypocrisy mm-hmm. of liars whose consciences are seared, they forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. So let's talk about that because mm-hmm. it's saying that if you forbid to marry and say you can't eat this um, when God created it to be eaten, but you can't, and just like you know, the Catholics will say, 
fish on Friday. And now they've kind of changed that, but you couldn't eat anything else but fish on Friday. Um, well, wasn't the church in the fishing business? The church was in the fishing I, business, weren't they? The, I mean, that's where it started. The Catholic church has their, their hands in just about everything, but it's kind of like uh, the mafia. Um, <laughs> but who, who happens to be Catholic for the most part, by the way. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Yes, yes, you hit man and get but, your last rights. You know, just ask for God's forgiveness. And all those people you killed, it's okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, say a couple Hail Marys. Um, but it says, that the Spirit explicitly says, mm-hmm. that it's talking about the Holy Spirit when he, and when it mentions that, that in later times some will depart from the faith. So mm-hmm. just by looking at what they are asking their parishioners to do, Mm-hmm. Are they in the faith or out of the faith? Attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Right. And hypocrisy and lying and their consciences are seared. And they forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude. So just those little three things that we've mentioned about, you know, forbidding their priest to marry, mm-hmm. that you can't eat certain foods on certain days. Um, that they're, it's teachings of demons, and they have departed from the faith. Raising the Pope to the level of God, mm-hmm. can we say idol worship? <laughs> yeah. Well, look at all the, look at all the images uh, that are in the churches. You know, uh, exactly. Now, uh, you know, now it's, it's one, and look at the finery. I mean, they wear robes of, of gold woven in and, and jewels and, and everything else like that. It's not like they're hurting. You know, and the, the silver well, and gold is everywhere you in the know Catholic what? church. They're, if you want to wear robes of gold, great, do it. But don't say that nobody else can. Oh, uh, okay. Don't say you have to live in poverty while I live in luxury. God wants you to have nice clothes. Of course he does. But are, is it okay for you to have nice clothes and then tell somebody else they can't have it? Mm-hmm. No. 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 <laughs> exactly. no. And we're going to start recording Wendyisms. Well, so so then, how come <laughs> nobody in the Catholic? <laughs> that's a Wendyism, all right? You know, we have Gregisms and Wendyisms. So why doesn't anybody question this? You know, how long have these people been able to get away with this for so long, or do they have the guilt of God saying that we have God on our side? And if you question this, us, you know, you're going straight to hell. I mean, that there uh, is what? no guilt of God. Guilt doesn't come from God. Guilt right. is from the pit of hell, and it smells like smoke. Mm. Con- condemnation, guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, coercion of any kind. This is all earmarks of the enemy, okay? God mm-hmm. will convict you by the Holy Spirit saying, hey, check on this because this isn't right. And I, you know, here's a better way over here. Mm-hmm. Not God. Or, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe, maybe, maybe something just doesn't feel right. That's conviction from the Lord. Okay. Guilt is not from God. Hmm. So, um, and because God is so quick to forgive when you ask and you sincerely want to turn away from, from what you've been doing wrong mm-hmm. or what you didn't know was wrong, you know, like you wasn't really sure, but okay, now you know because you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and turn right. away from it, you know, and then find out what it is that God does want you to do in place of that. Um, but to, to go along and say, why do people do this? Why do the Catholic people continue in this? It's called the spirit of religion. Religion is not good. Religion is from the pit of hell. So I want people to say that. You know, memorize it, say it, live it, okay? <laughs> religion is from the pit of hell. It has yeah. nothing to do with God at all. 
it has everything to do with man exalting himself into the place of God and telling people what to do um, and expecting them to do it. And if they don't, then the guilt, then the wrath, then the shame, then the, the shunning, then the, you know, the coercion, all that crap from Satan himself comes into play. Yeah, it's fascinating. There's, there's also the idea that, I mean, this goes back to feudal times, so don't worry about how miserable your life is or, or how much wealth the church has, because you're going to get your reward in heaven, you know, no matter what. So, uh, but that, that goes against all of God's teachings that you should have a good life here on earth, and you should have a life that's free, and you should be able to, uh, you know, do all the things you can do and reach your potential. So there's another huge contradiction, and you know, the church doesn't seem to be addressing yeah. that these days and, either. And, and, and let me go ahead and, and put this out there. God loves the Catholic people. He wants them free. He wants them free of the church. He wants them free of all the man-made religion and the rules and the regulations that he never said to do. Um, he, if you want to be married and have a family, be married and have a family. Because it's not just the priests who are forbidden to marry. It's the nuns, too. Hmm. Yet, yeah. go look at all the nunneries back in the day and you'll find, you know, um, buried dead babies everywhere. Yeah. The bones of babies, because you're not going to stop human desire. So, yeah. Is that Rocky? Is that Rocky back there talking? Yep. 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 (laughs) Mike said that they actually tore down an old convent and and the walls were full of babies' bones. Well, you know, if if God didn't want us to, you know, have these wonderful bodies and enjoy them, they wouldn't be created that way. (laughs) Does that ever come up? Yes, within Mm -hmm. certain confines that are good confines. He's saying keep. He made marriage to be the ultimate uh, union here on earth, Hmm. and we have made it something it was never intended to be. And it, God created sex. I mean, he's, he, it was his idea, people. Okay? So let, let's yeah. kind of get Good all, idea, all, God. all the, the... Really appreciate that one. Yeah, the Puritanism Sorry. thing. But he's saying, <laughs> yeah. I, I made this wonderful thing as mm-hmm. a benefit of marriage. Right. Because marriage is, to, is where two people are committed to each other. Because marriage itself is the picture of his relationship, God's relationship with, with the body of Christ, the church, the, which he calls his bride. So, and that, that's how much he prizes the body of Christ. He, he looks at her with such love and longing in his heart to have her be with him, his family, his bride, to be with him forever. And say so he wants to adorn her and take care of her and, and bless her. Um, just like I, I, I want to take care of Michael and, and give him my, my very best. He wants to do the mm-hmm. same for me. This is a picture of, of God and the church. So, yeah. um, and if you and look at sex, it's, it, it's the two becoming one in a very intimate way. And, and that's a picture um, that we can understand in human form of, of the intimacy that God wants to have with us spiritually, our heart to heart, you know, become one mm-hmm. with his heart. Um, so that's why he wanted sex to, to be for marriage. It is a benefit of husbands and wives totally and loyally committed to one another, just like he is totally and, and loyally committed to us. He wants that from us as well. So uh, 
honor marriage, honor the sexual relationship within marriage because it, it's, a, it's a, a covenant. It's a picture of the covenant with God. Most people have just now made it, oh, sex is just like, you know, okay, you feeling jumpy? You know, go sleep, <laughs> go, go, yeah. go sleep with somebody and, and take, yeah. take care of the need just like, you know, animals do. And then, you know, you're good to go until the next urge hits. So that it, it has degraded it to just a physical thing when it yeah. is a beautiful spiritual picture of the covenant God has made with the church. You know, it's interesting. we should uh, talk more about marriage and what the original intent of marriage or what it's supposed to be uh, in terms of what God wanted, because well, I might even try it again. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, miracles might happen. Um, but it's, it's something very interesting that I think people don't think about that what marriage has become with, you know, the contract and the, and the divorce and the family courts. I mean, we've done many, many shows that marriage itself, you know, maybe that's part of the problem is not that people don't want to get married, but they don't want to enter into this thing that has nothing to do with marriage, but people are calling it that the law is calling it. This is what marriage is. And it's really not, you know, and, and I've often thought that, um, yeah, yeah. We wouldn't, well, we're, we're, well, I mean, I've got time. I got this hour free. Um, there's some things I want to do, but you know, if you have a little, few extra minutes, but something that, that struck me a long time ago is that, you know, life would be so much easier you know, if you met your, you know, your, your partner in, in high school and, and uh, you know, you're both virgins and you were each other's only person ever. And, you know, you eliminate all these things that, that the society has, you know, STDs and, and, and divorce and, uh, you know, abortions, and all these other things happen as a result of not being in a lifetime monogamous marriage. I mean, it's just easier the other way. It didn't work out that way for me, obviously, you know, I'm divorced. Um, but, um, but you look at the, you know, people say, well, God's law is too strict. It's too crazy. But if you actually followed that, you know, so many other things become so much easier and so many things you don't have to worry about. It's, it's, uh, you know, and that's never taught. That's so true. Because yeah. everything God tells us um, mm-hmm. is for our benefit. You know, it's not to say, oh, you can't do this. You can't enjoy that. You can't. Well, no, you, you can. It's just that do it in the parameters that is a protection and an honoring of what he created it for. People would enter marriage um, with the knowledge of what marriage really is in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, most marriages would not happen to the people that they originally chose. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. They aren't following yeah. God. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, that when you do marry, um, with the understanding of what it really means and how holy it really is. When, when God calls it holy matrimony, he ain't kidding. Yeah. Um, and people have taken a very holy, beautiful thing and have made it into nothing. And they can throw it away at any time when they just get tired or, you know, they don't like what somebody's doing or whatever, um, or it's just not convenient anymore. Um, then, okay, check it. We'll just go with somebody else. And that, that's not marriage. That is not God's idea of marriage at all. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that would be a good topic to cover at some point. Yeah, yeah, because I think most of the, of the marriages that are out there that, that fall apart or end, or end for whatever reason they end were probably not started off, you know, were like fatally flawed to begin with. Something was wrong. And so that kind of makes sense to me, you know, the way these well, go. So if I, like I say, go ahead. Scripture says mm-hmm. what God has joined together let no man put asunder. Let, let no, no man divide, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Most marriages God did not put together. person they chose because they looked good or they met their needs or they made their lives convenient in some way, but it was not through thick and thin hardship and, and travail until death do us part. That's not 
in their picture at all. It's, hmm. oh, this is great. They make me feel good. And, you know, they think I'm great. And I think they're pretty cool, too. So let's go ahead and get married and we'll pay the bill together. That's not <laughs> marriage. Yeah. That is not yeah. what God put together. So, you know what? That's why most marriages fall apart. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You know, I had those reasons. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, you know <laughs> you're not. I did alone. my part. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think I went in for the right reasons and, you know, all the, all the things that you said. So it made sense to me. But, uh, yeah, that we you need to talk more about this because this is a huge problem. And also we got a huge problem of of just the I mean, the, the marriage rate, the single parent rate, everything else. And, and this is, you know, this is something we could really talk about. And it's just talked about as statistics and figures, but it's not really talked about as causes. Um, it's like we talked earlier with Bill about uh, the, the one China policy and the fact that they have, you know, a gazillion men who will never be married you know, from this ridiculous one child policy and they, they, they killed their baby girls. And so now, you know, again, you know, you're messing with, uh, you're messing with God, you're messing with the, you know, the natural order of things. And now, you know, uh, it, they're going to, they're in for huge problems, huge problems yep. uh, just because of that. And that's, you know, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's pick this up. This, this, you know, and you're worried about topics for today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Silly nope, thought. One worry, just get one. <laughs> yeah, just let, just let me get started. You know, there's always something that uh, that we'll talk about too. So now you got you know five topics for next week, just based on today. There you go. <laughs> so contact information. Well, everybody, to, thank uh, you for listening. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just I want to just thank our listeners around the world for listening. And no matter what mm-hmm. time you are listening to this, whether live or by podcast, God loves you, and He really, really wants you and His family. So call out to Him. Get a relationship going and see how your life changes for the better. It does. Trust me. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> been on both sides of that coin. Yeah, exactly. It's quite fascinating. And, and not that I was, you know, consciously rejecting, uh, but I, I just didn't. And this is something we should talk about, too, because a lot of people that think that you, you just lead a good life and, you know, you do what you think is right and you, you believe in God. But it's not an active process, very passive process. You're just kind of there. And I think that's where a lot of people are. That um, I mean, you've got your atheists and, and active agnostics and things like that. But I think a lot of people they just they're not brought up with with the idea that this is a positive interaction that requires you know something on your part and something on God's part. And if you do your part, God will do God's part, and then everything changes. It's it's quite fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll talk. We'll talk more. All right. <laughs> Be blessed. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. You too. All right, so we're going to uh, play a couple things here, and it's now 8.06. I'm going to my little notes here so I can put my show notes in. So I do show notes after the show. I don't think I've really ever talked about this, but every show, uh, sometime afterwards, I'll, I'll type up the notes and make the corrections and change the times from the actual central time uh, to, to what we do you know, in, in terms of what the show time is. And we have a timeline in every show, so when you're listening by podcast, you know, you start the show, it takes about 10 seconds to load. Uh, and once it starts playing, this little pink line starts on the far left side at the top. And you can click anywhere in the show um, based on the time that I give you. So I give you in terms of hours and minutes, you know, for the duration of the show as to where things are. So that's an easy way to do it. Uh, we also have our, our instruction. Well, actually, I shouldn't say instructions. But information at the top, you know, our, our main website, other than the one you're listening to, RightToYourLaws.com. That's our legislative site. We also have our account I'm trying to uh, get going here, GiveSendGo.com slash action radio. That's our fundraising site. Give send go.com slash action radio. A little bit better than GoFundMe, I think, for, for, for a variety of reasons. And so that's what we do here. 
And so, uh, you know, and it, it, again, that um, there's so much that uh, needs doing in terms of our freedom. Uh, that's what we're trying to accomplish. And we do things here that, that aren't done anywhere else on the planet, which, uh, which makes it kind of uh, special, kind of unique. All right, let me play a couple things for you. Let me just get one started right here. And uh, I'll be back in just, um, just a few minutes. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio.
Mel okay, I'm back, and it's, it's just me. Uh, the lines are clear. The, the chat is clear. Everything's pretty much clear. We've got uh, Diane Warner coming in at the top of the next hour. It's uh, 9 o'clock Central Time. It's now 8.11 Central Time. Uh, and if you're not listening live, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, let's, get, uh, let's get back to news of, of the day, which is uh, my little analysis of uh, what Dick Morris is talking about. And be right back. There's a little bit of scratchiness in the lines. I'm noticing some of the things I'm playing. Uh, I'm hoping the podcast comes out okay because I can hear certain things just just sound like they're they're missing out, you know, like a word here and there. So hoping that hopefully that's working out. Anyway, um, back to Dick, Dick Morris. So I started talking about this initially, and it's something that um, I've been thinking about for for a bit. And I've quoted Dick uh, fairly routinely in terms of what he was talking about before the election. And I used to be one of these folks that sort of went along with the idea that we should all vote on election day. And I thought, well, that's kind of crowded. You know, it's inconvenient. That's the first thing. But it seems like the patriotic thing to do. And then he started talking about the fact that the Democrats are banking, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, millions uh, of votes in, in some cases, you know, before the first Republican is even put. So all you have to do to script the election, of course, is script election day. And then the Democrats already have their votes in the bank. And so that made a lot of sense to me. And I thought, you know what? He's right. And so that's when I started early voting and started advocating early voting about a month before the November election. And I've always listened to Dick Morris because the fact that he worked for the Clintons, so he knows Democrats, you know, now he's, uh, he's not working for directly Donald Trump, <clears throat> but I'm sure he's advising him because he knows Democrats. <laughs> you know, he also knows Republicans and he knows politics better than pretty much anybody I know. And so you only see him a little bit here, a little bit there. He's on Newsmax and some other places. And he has a website, you know, dickmorris.com. Again, I've tried to get him on the show. I think he would love what we do here in terms of citizen legislation, but I think he's one of the smartest people in politics today. And because of that, I, I sort of thought I'd do a little bit of a show uh, on some Dick Morris stuff. So the first article I have uh, written January 2nd, so uh, what, it's 11th, so what, nine days ago, he says, how did the left acquire such power? And this is something that, uh, that everybody needs to understand. He just cuts through the BS and gets right to the point. He says, the cultural Marxist and cancel culture, that's like the subheading uh, of this article. He says, this column is based on the work of social philosopher Oz Guinness, eloquently explained in his book, The Magna Carta of Humanity, Sinai's Revolutionary Faith and the Future of Freedom. I don't know anything about that book. I've never heard of this person, Oz Guinness, but uh, maybe, maybe he made the first Guinness. I don't know. It's, just, it's spelled the same way. <laughs> so Morris says the left has adopted a new Marxism. The old one articulated by Karl Marx was based on economics and the perception of exploitation of workers by the wealthy elite. Well, still some of that around. Oz Guinness explains how leftist professor Herbert Marcuse, that's M-A-R-C-U-S-E, and others overhauled Marxist doctrine to focus on cultural dominance as opposed to economic exploitation as its core message. In doing so, it shifted its, its uh, constituency from the working class, which was never quite comfortable with its dogma, to the cultural elites throughout the world. And of course, we know the results of this, right? They focused on, back to the article, they focused on liberation, transformation and revolutionary change the 1960s were animated by the great refusal you know and he says parentheses hell no we won't go uh, that met the war in vietnam 
This habit of refusal morphed into the current cancel culture that refuses to embrace the core beliefs of Americans about our history, democracy, idealism, race relations, pluralism, economic progress, self-improvement, and sense of justice. Marcuse called for the, quote, long march, echoing Mao, that's, that's Mao Zedong in China, Mao's history, through the cultural and educational institutions of society, and, uh, unquote, spreading the doctrine of refusal to accept our social narratives. Then he says, the long, in China, if you study the long march in China, is something I haven't quite done in detail, but that's Mao. You know, the long march, the cultural revolution, these are all the hallmarks of Mao and Mao's China, which is continuing on in Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party, which listens to our show, I'm sure, because China was one of the first uh, international nations to come up. Uh, Taiwan, I think, is blocked from listening to us, but uh, China certainly does. And so that's quite fascinating to me. Uh, Morris says this long march was intended to change the way our cultural leaders reacted to our problems. Instead of bolstering a constructive national narrative that underscored our values and institutions while accepting the need for reform, it led to a total rejection of almost everything. It became known as the cancel culture. Critical race theory was one expression of it, but the revolution extended to the realms of climate change, sexuality and mores, gender fluidity and changes, particularly sweeping with the changes in our educational system that sought to undermine our collective narrative about American exceptionalism and enlisted teachers as instruments spreading the new gospel of cultural Marxism. Traditional Marxism seeks to bring about change in the economic society by giving government control of the means of production. In this new Marxism, the goal was to change the culture of our information society by giving the left control of the means of information dissemination and education so that its doctrines and dogma could spread to the entire society. Uh, this is critical. I'm going to stop now because there's a lawsuit um, that, uh, that I just found out about this morning. Uh, it's, it's documented in The Defender, which is the publication of Children's Health Defense Network, which is Robert F. Kennedy, Robert Francis Kennedy Jr.'s uh, publication. And so I'm hoping to get him on the show. Uh, I know people that know him. <laughs> you know, in fact, uh, actually, Judy Markovitz talked about, uh, she calls him Bobby. <laughs> well, Bobby said, <laughs> back when we had our, our, our world's greatest panel, you know, world's greatest doctor's panel, and Judy was on. In fact, Judy's you know, one of the folks I, I talked to about this. I want to get on that lawsuit uh, because we have been severely uh, victimized by big tech, censoring everything ever since I came out with the fact that, uh, you know, uh, started calling uh, Dr. Fa Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fascist, started saying that the chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine, you know, treat and cure COVID, saying that everything that the, the government's doing is illegal under the Constitution. You know, all the things that we've said, I mean, I can't tell you how much I've been censored and how much the show went through an immediate uh, decline in suppression and still does. You know, they have 90-day suppressions. I just got another one yesterday. So they're consecutive. They just find an article from six months ago. Well, you should have said that. That was wrong. Our fact checkers have said that what you said was wrong. Well, who knows what I said six months ago or what the context was, you know, and I can look at the post. I said, what, that's it? Or then they'll take it out and say, well, the fact checkers have said you can't say this and there's nothing there. So you don't know what you didn't say. I mean, this is right out of Kafka, right? So this is this, the whole culture. This is cultural Marxism. This is what Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and, uh, and, and Google, the search engine, this is what they all practice, it's cultural Marxism. We will tell you the information that you need. And the problem with, uh, with Google getting, with, with having one search engine to find anything on earth is that they've restricted it and they tell you only what you can find. It's like that old joke by, uh, uh, who is this? There's, uh, there's a, a Russian comic. I've forgotten his name. 
Uh, yeah, oh, Yakov Smirnov, right? So name for the vodka, right? Well, obviously, I, it's, I think it's an assumed name. He says, yeah, well, we have this, uh, this Russian uh, the banquet. You know, we have this all-you-can-eat festival, right? The Russian all-you-can-eat festival. You get bread, you get water, and then they tell you that's all you can eat. Anyway, so it's the same kind of thing. You know, it's an all-you-can-eat festival, and then they tell you what you can eat. Okay, same kind of thing here. And so, uh, you know, I want to join that lawsuit. In fact, I'd like to uh, take them for as much money as uh, as I can, simply because they've censored my show to the point where we don't have what the hundreds of thousands of listeners we might have, the millions of listeners we might have, the worldwide revolution in citizen legislation that should be going right now, that's been held up for a couple of years because of all the censorship. I know exactly what this is about. I experience it every day. So, so cancel culture, have I been directly canceled and doxxed and condemned on, on, on social media as a revolutionary, you know, or an anti-revolutionary, you know, white supremacist, homophobic, Islamophobic, whatever it is? No, not yet. They're doing it quietly. They, they even, I never got to the point where it was big enough, you know, for people to know what we actually do here. This is why it's so important that you share the show. Share the shows and share the bills. That's the only way we're going to break through. You know, and people don't do it because, you know, we're not you know, famous enough that everybody's sharing and, and doing that. We have, that's, that's your part. You know, share the show, share the bills. Trust me. When people hear the show, when people uh, see the bills that, that are written, they go, oh, I want to do that. I want to help with that. I want to, you know, get that vaccine bill into the, into the news. I want to get that big tech, uh, you know, anti-censorship bill in, into the news. I want to send it to my member of Congress or my state legislator. This is the way it happens. It's happening now. It's just not happening fast enough. That's my problem. So, so you can help. Uh, also, our givesendgo.com slash action radio account. But back to the article. He says, critical race theory was one expression of it, meaning cultural Marxism. But the revolution extended to the realms of climate change, sexuality and mores, gender fluidity and changes. I read this, but it's so, it's so important. I wanted to uh, do it again, particularly sweeping with the changes in our educational system that sought to undermine our collective narrative about American exceptionalism and enlisted teachers as instruments spreading the new gospel of cultural Marxism. This is why you have to get rid of all government schools. You need to abolish the government schools. The only way you're going to end the cultural Marxist indoctrination or any kind of government indoctrination that always went on in government schools is to end the government schools. So start thinking about that. You know, if you think you can change it by changing a member of the school board or, or changing a policy here or there, uh, the fundamental problem is that governments are not capable of educating. They're only capable of indoctrinating. So no government school is going to be good enough ever. So there we go. Next one. Traditional Marxism, Marxism seeks to bring about change in the economic society by giving government cultural control of the means of production. In the new Marxism, and this is the part I wanted to read again, the goal was to change the culture of our information society by giving the left control of the means of information dissemination and education so that its doctrines and dogma could spread through the entire society. And that's exactly what's happening. So we need to fix that. He says, large-scale scholarship and scholarship aid and student lending dramatically expanded the university population, assuring that this cultural message would spread widely spawning a new generation of professionals who, in turn, carried the message to the media, advertising, high technology, entrepreneurialism, entertainment, and every other field of human knowledge. Yep, uh, we talked about that this morning. Bill and I talked about that. The education, you know, that's why they put everybody in college and make all the colleges liberal. So everybody has the same indoctrination. So everybody talks to each other and goes, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Bring it all down. You know, let's, uh, let's control the information. We, we, we have to control the information. We can't have false information out there. 
well, what if the false information is the truth, and, and, uh, which it is <laughs> usually, and what the government's putting out there is the false, the false information is that everything that somebody else says other than government is false information. It's the Marxian dialectic. It's, it's, the, it's the, the inherent contradiction with what's being said. But the Marxists will never admit that, even though they're, they're expressing their own uh, Marxian dialectic by everything they say. This is where it gets confusing. Back to the article. Google has centralized all human knowledge into one search engine, and, and that made it, possible to attack this, uh, made it possible to attack this choke point and use it to spread a new gospel of counterculture and woke ideology. This is what I was mentioning earlier, and this is where I got it from. I'll say it again. Google has centralized all human knowledge into one search engine, and that made it possible to attack this choke point and use it to spread a new gospel of counterculture and woke ideology. This is why my big tech bill says that if Google touches the arrangement of any search beyond the, the actual number of raw hits, they can be sued. They lose their liability immunity from lawsuit. This is why that section was so critical, simply because Google has, has centralized all human knowledge into one search engine. This is why it's so important. And what's fascinating is that I didn't realize this, that I thought the internet, the beauty of the internet was that anything could be put on it. But the danger of the internet is that anything can also be taken off it. You know, so you don't have to burn all the books. So when the books are out there, the knowledge is out there and everybody that buys the book. You know, the government can't get rid of all of them. They try, but they can't get rid of all. But with the internet, you can scrub articles. You can scrub every single article off everybody's computer simply by, uh, by breaking the link so that you can't get to it again. And I have a bunch of articles from early COVID, you know, talking about how uh, COVID was no danger, how we had cures. We had hydroxychloroquine. We had chloroquine, later ivermectin. You know, we had early treatments. We had, uh, you know, vitamin D3, vitamin C, uh, zinc, and zithromycin, you know, the Zelenko protocol. We had all that knowledge up front, and then it had to be demonized, had to be gotten rid of, so they could push uh, uh, the fear and that the only cure, the only cure was the COVID jab. And, of course, we know what's happening with that now. But that's the control of information. This whole, the whole of COVID was done by the control of information. Because the control of the information that I had that I found very early on, uh, I did a little bit of research one day and found out how viruses kill viruses, how drugs kill viruses, how viruses and drugs kill viruses, how viruses and drugs can stop the replication of other viruses, and all these different things that I found out in like three hours. <laughs> you know, and I did a whole bunch of shows based on that. Well, you know, I, I think that knowledge is still out there, but you have to ask the right question. Yeah, haven't you noticed, uh, you know, if you're, especially if you're a conservative, patriot, independent, libertarian, you know, when you do a search on, on uh, Google, I, I use DuckDuckGo, but, it's, you know, it's, it's almost the same thing. Uh, when you ever do an Internet search, you know, and I've tried the conservative sites and the, you know, some of the, I've got like four or five different search engines, and they all have the leftist articles first. It's always MSN, CNN, you know, Washington Post, New York Times, and then, you know, somewhere on the third page, you get to some of the other sources. You know, the sources that actually have something meaningful to say to me, Breitbart, you know, uh, you know, what's the other one, Epic Times, uh, National File, you know, different sources like that, um, that, uh, that actually, you know, are challenging things. And then, of course, the international sources. And that's why we have an international news group. But it's quite fascinating to me how, how channeled the information is and how easy it is to take stuff off so that you never see it. Of course, if it's never there, you don't know what was. There's no way to trace the history. Uh, I have articles that, and of course, fortunately, I have a good memory. But there are articles uh, that said that uh, where this uh, uh, Japanese pharmaceutical uh, high executive who used to work for, I think, the FDA and, you know, and before that was in Congress, you know, the typical revolving door, gave briefings to both the Democrats and the Republicans separately for some reason. But they both got a briefing that everybody's going to be exposed to COVID in a very short time. Everybody. Well, given that knowledge, there's no point in doing masks. There's no point in locking down. There's no point in doing any of the things they did 
because everybody was going to be exposed anyway. So the best thing to do is build up everybody's immunity because you don't have time to make a vaccine. You don't have 10 years. The virus is already here. And, besides, and we already had the treatments and cures. So the logical thing to have done was to tell everybody about ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, vitamin D3, vitamin C, uh, and then uh, zinc, which, uh, which kills the actual DNA part of the virus, hydroxychloroquine, which opens up the virus, the protein wall, uh, and it takes care of it. So if the government was actually interested in helping people, uh, they would have uh, put all that information out there. It wouldn't have been scrubbed from the Internet, but they weren't interested in that. They were interested in, in pushing a vaccine so that the, the government uh, pharmaceutical big tech fascist relationship, world government, UN, you know, Davos, uh, World Economic Forum. So all those folks could control you. So by controlling the information, they, they controlled your fear by increasing it, you know, and they controlled the information and they controlled your fear by taking away the truth. They, they had nothing to fear. We already had the cures. We already had the treatments. It was all out there. I've been broadcasting it since, uh, since February of 2020. When I first knew that there was a problem, we had Bill Gertz on the show. In fact, I just did a, like I said, I just sent him a big email. Uh, to try and get on this lawsuit, you know, and I remember, I remember just, I remember what I wrote, February 25th, Bill Gertz, the, uh, the, the foreign correspondent for the Washington Times, February 25th of 2020, told us that the Wuhan lab was the source of uh, this and that it was, a, you know, most likely a bioweapon. February 27th, I wrote a bill, you know, to Congress that they could only spend half the money on vaccines. The other half had to be spent on uh, only, uh, only up to half on vaccines. The other half or more had to be spent on early treatments. You know, then I remember Peter Navarro, he had the, uh, the, what, the 60 million hydroxychloroquine tablets ready to go to stop COVID in, in uh, what, 48 hours, 72 hours, <laughs> the time it takes to read a bill now, right? So all that stuff was out there. So, but the information was controlled uh, and you never heard this stuff, you know, and, and, I, and I brought all this stuff out. March 2nd, declared on the show that uh, chloroquine cures COVID, uh, that there is no pandemic, that you don't have to worry about it. Uh, this is all taken care of. You don't need a vaccine. You don't need some experimental drug therapy that nobody knows what's in it. And I knew then that there was a problem because nobody knew it was in it. <laughs> they hadn't even developed it yet. So why would you take an experiment that's unproven that doesn't have a 10-year track record? Well, that's just stupid. So anybody that took a COVID shot, you know, who, who knew that uh, this was brand new was crazy. Why would you do that? You never do that. You never take a, a you know, uh, some, some experimental medical thing unless you've consented to the experiment, which people didn't, but they took it anyway. You know, I mean, that's just common sense. So your common sense was removed, your information was taken away, your fear was increased, uh, and the cures that were obviously there uh, were denied to you. Well, that's why we had a problem. And this is, all comes about because of cultural Marxism. That's what I'm bringing it back to. So let me go back and just repeat this one sentence, uh, and then I'll give you the rest of the article. It says, Google has centralized all human knowledge into one search engine, and that made it possible to attack this choke point and use it to spread a new gospel of counterculture and woke ideology. Then... Young billionaires got into the act, having themselves been nursed by these cultural Marxist ideas using their vast financial resources. That would be Zuckerberg and you know, the election fraud, for example, right? Uh, these vast financial resource, resources unheard of even in the industrial gilded age to control the free flow of information, the equivalent of the means of production for cultural Marxism. So let's say that again. Controlling the free flow of information is the equivalent of controlling the means of production. And that's the difference between economic Marxism and cultural Marxism. So let me talk about the, the, the means of production and the free flow of information. One of the things in my lawsuit, and I propose my own lawsuit, it's, uh, anybody wants it, I'll, I'll post it again on my page and on the Action Radio group and in the Action Radio Legal Project on Facebook. Uh, you can still find them. They're, they're not totally blocking it up. They just don't tell you about it. It doesn't appear in your news feed, so you don't see it. But I had several proposals. 
And in fact, maybe I should go over that tomorrow. That might be a – got time. <laughs> it's Thursday. Nobody's, nobody's scared. Well, no, I have two guests tomorrow. I'm wrong. Uh, I'll go over it sometime. But my lawsuit was, was, was talking about um, all kinds of things, uh, public accommodation, uh, censorship, uh, I, uh, ideology. You know, if you, you be, ideology is being censored, information is being censored. Uh, they, they have to let this stuff go because they're open to the public. The idea that uh, these social media companies are private companies and they can do what they want is absurd. Well, that's like saying a, rent, uh, a restaurant can stop black people coming in, from coming to the restaurant because they're a private company. Well, we know that's not true because of the Civil Rights Act, public accommodation. So these social media companies have public accommodation. They're open to the public. The, the highway, the transportation highway that was blocked from travel by black residents in the segregated South, you know, is exactly the same as the information highway that's blocked by conservatives and people ideologically opposed to cultural Marxism. It's the same problem. It's the same legal theory. So to open up, and this is what my lawsuit is based on, that the information superhighway is being blocked, that public accommodation is being blocked by social media and by Google blocking information, you know, channeling certain things in, denying, your, you, know, denying you the information and also and using your ideology against you. The same that the, the new segregation is ideology. The new segregation is free speech. The new segregation is all these horrible things that big tech and the government and uh, big government and big pharma are doing to push a dangerous jab onto you. And, and the results are people are dropping dead or nearly dead in football games in front of millions of people. And that's only one person. Look at all the people that have died. You know, and you, you, what, you can't question it? I question it every day. But there's a price to be paid. And the price to be paid is I get censored. I don't care. I'm going to say it anyway because it needs to be said. You know, is doing the right thing has its own reward. Uh, it's just it'd be nice if a lot more people heard. And that's your job. Share the show. Share the bills. Back to the article. Let me read this last little bit again. That uh, to control the flow of information, the equivalent of the means of production is cultural Marxism. So, so there's no difference between controlling the means of production, which would be, you know, how, how people produce and, and uh, engage in commerce and, and acquire property. That's what, the mean, that's what controlling the means of production is. Those who control the means of production control the results of the production, control the products of production, the goods and services. That's why it's so critical that the government not control the means of production. In the same way, it's just as critical that private companies and government working together do not control the means of production of information. In other words, us. And our access to the information produced by everybody else. The free flow of information is critical to freedom. You cannot have a free society unless you have a free flow of information. I mean, it's a constitutional right. I would say that, uh, the, that the, uh, the right of free speech implies the right to listen. and implies the right to read. implies the right to, be, uh, to, to hear and to find that information. So you can't have free speech without free access to that speech. So I would argue the First Amendment not only implies the right of the speaker to speak freely, but the right of the listener to, to get the information that the speaker is speaking. Because you can't have one without the other. You don't have communication unless there's a speaker and a receiver. That's, that's, that's communication. So I would, I would say the First Amendment guarantees your right to, to get information in the same way that it, it, that it guarantees your right to, to say it. Now, you're still responsible for what's said, and if you say it, and you're still responsible for the information you get and what you do with it, and that doesn't change. But that's statutory law. But the right of free speech implies that speech is two-way. And you know, I don't think I've ever heard this any, anybody else say this. But the First Amendment, you know, let's, let's mark the tape here, 835. <laughs> yeah. But, but the, the First Amendment to the Constitution, you know, let, let me read it here, uh, just, to, just to be sure we're uh, doing this all correctly. All oh, the things, that, the tangents I go on. I mean, this, this is what happens when you brainstorm your way through a show, uh, that you never know what to, where, where I'm, I, I never know where I'm going to go. I'm just, I'm, you know, I just start the show and see what happens. 
Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the exercise, the free exercise thereof, or, and here's the part for today, abridging the freedom of speech. So if Congress can't make a law abridging the freedom of speech, and the 14th Amendment extends the, the Bill of Rights to the states and local governments, then no government can make a law abridging the freedom of speech. Well, it doesn't say the freedom of speech. It doesn't say the freedom of the speaker. It doesn't say the freedom of the listener. It says freedom of speech. Well, what is speech if, unless unless you have access to that speech? So I would I would say I would contend that the First Amendment not only guarantees the right of the speaker to speak, it guarantees the right of the receiver to get the message. Think about that. Back to the article. Uh, the organizations and causes fathered by this movement, in other words, cultural Marxism, are constantly changing. They are a kind of beehive of causes from Black Lives Matter to the Green Revolution to racial equality preferences for minorities to reproductive freedom to, trans, to, freedom to trans studies and every imaginable form of movement. But they all had the, the common denominator of being powered by the Marxist cultural revolution and financial power of its billionaires. Let me say that again. But they all had the common denominator of being powered by the Marxist cultural revolution and financial power of its billionaires. So, continuing with the article, the cultural Marxists extended their power through the malignant growth of slanted information, one-sided narratives, false facts, and distorted perceptions. It particularly focuses on exploiting the envies of various racial, economic, social, and intellectual cultures against those they felt have held them in domination. So diverse was this penetration and so extensive that it became impossible to root out, just as the cultural Marxists intended when they made their, quote, long march through the cultural institutions and gatekeepers. Their central goal is hegemony, parentheses, power over all society. In their construct, there is no objective reality, no right or wrong, but only the power of cultural hegemony imposing a worldview on the people. This moral relativism deliberately leaves no room for God or religion, and the lust for hegemony causes a strong anti-religious bias that infuses the entire movement, just as it did in revolutionary France in 1789. That, of course, they, were, they had their French Revolution. We had our war for independence. Two totally different things. We did not have an American Revolution. We had a war for independence. And that war for independence was fought over the Declaration of Independence and then, of course, later maintained with the Constitution. Okay? It was not a revolution because what the, what the founders brought was things that have already been discussed. That it was nothing, there's nothing, and the irony of the American Revolution is that it wasn't revolutionary. The principles that were brought here and expanded, what was revolutionary was that those principles were expanded to everybody. Okay. No, not just white men with property. I've never found that in any founding document. There's nothing that, I, that anybody, I, if you can find it, show me where it says in a founding document that freedom only means white men with property. It's not there. Yet the myth continues. The other myth is, myth is that there's a separation of church and state, that nothing the church does, that nothing in, in the state, anything to do with government can have any reference to the church or religion. A bunch of nonsense too. But that's, that's control of the information. Okay. This has been going on since, since our country began. But uh, France did have a revolution. I mean, they revolted against the, the monarchy. They revolted against every principle they can think of. They guillotined everybody who didn't believe in what they believed. You know, there are those that would love to have a French revolution here for the same reason. Gulags, guillotines, you know, because we believe we're going to kill you. I mean, that was the French Revolution. Our war for independence was we wanted to throw off 
the, the, the monarchy of England that was dominated every aspect of our lives, much like our federal government wants to do today and to a large extent does. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is it's domestic as opposed to foreign. But all these people in Congress, this is what the Brunson lawsuit was all about. We'll talk about this, I'm sure, with Diane in a little bit. The Brunson lawsuit was specifically about uh, the idea that uh, people in Congress have to obey an oath of office. When they swear to uphold the Constitution, they better damn well do it or, you know, we're going to go after them for it. Now, I never thought that lawsuit would go anywhere, even though I was fascinated to talk to Lloyd Brunson uh, for the simple reason that the, the Supreme Court, knowing the Supreme Court as I have and observed them for, for decades, they never do anything, you know, unless they find some precedent or some part of the Constitution, or they make up something based on some part of the Constitution. But there's no, there's no adherence to the oath. There's nothing required to, to uh, once you take the oath of office, to actually you know, do what you, you said you were going to do when you took that oath of office. In other words, defend the country you know, from enemies foreign and domestic. There's no requirement. So the Supreme Court can't, well, they won't. They'll make up other requirements, but they won't make up a requirement there. They'll make one up for gay marriage and uh, you know, uh, for abortion and things like that, and some of the other penumbras of rights that they create, but they won't make up one, you know, for this, which is kind of interesting. But that's why we have Title 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. Any two or more people that conspire to oppress the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right are subject to jail and big fines. Well, use it. Don't go to the Supreme Court. Use that law. It should be done at the state level. You know, a state should be arresting a lot of federal officials and members of Congress and recalling them, too, as Pianchi talks about. All right. Let me go back to the article. We're almost done. Uh, in fact, I'm almost done with the hour, too. I was going to do like three or four articles this hour, but you know what happens. I get to talking. <laughs> but, of course, that's part of the show, too. So it says uh, the central goal. Let me just backtrack a bit so we, we get caught up. The central goal is hegemony over all society. In their construct, there is no objective reality, no right or wrong, but only the power of cultural hegemony imposing a worldview on the people. This moral rel- relativism deliberately leaves no room for God or religion. Notice those are a big part of my show, right? Uh, and the lust for hegemony causes a strong anti-religious bias that influences the entire movement, just as it did in revolutionary France in 1789. Article continues, in this drive for cultural hegemony, the left seeks to change the language. Notice how I play with language all the time. There's a reason it's the gelding old party. It's the reason I don't say rhino, I say transgender Democrat, because language is everything. If I can frame the debate in my own terminology, I win. That's why I do it. That's why when uh, Illinois uh, banned freedom rifles, they they destroyed your freedom because they took away your freedom rifles. Well, that's a totally different argument than banning assault weapons because language means everything. It just does. Use language, change the words, change the meanings. Why do you think I call him Dr. Fascist? You know, genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying, vaccine drug pusher. I use those words because it conjures up an image. I think a highly accurate one of Dr. Fascist. If everybody called him Dr. Fascist, he'd never be on TV again. Well, who wants to go on TV as known as Dr. Fascist? See, but you didn't use the words. You didn't use those words. Some people did. Dr. Pry did. People have called the show have. I've heard them. I've heard people talk about the gelding old party. I'll tell you one of the funniest things I heard. Uh, this is on uh, Lindell TV. They're all now talking about the DC gulag. Well, who, where'd you first hear that term? I don't know. Me? <laughs> you know, a year and a half ago? As soon as, the, as, soon as they, the, those folks were locked up from... Uh, from January 6th, I said they were political prisoners and they put in a D.C. gulag. Now, I'm sure I wasn't the only one. I'm the only one I know, though. You know, now everybody's saying it, the D.C. gulag. Well, that means something to people. That implies a, a communist uh, jail that has nothing to do with rights or, or justice or due process. Why do you think I used it, you, you know, shortly after January 6th, 2021? 
because it has an effect. It has a meaning. Language, if you can use language and learn how to use language and come up with new terms, you can do anything. And we do here too, except for the fact that we're censored. If all the terms that I came up with were in common usage, if, uh, if uh, a Republican establishment were called transgender Democrats, that would bring about a change. You know, if everybody started referring to the GOP as the gelding old party, that would bring about a change. If everybody started saying freedom rifles instead of assault weapons, that too would bring about a change. If you said, instead of using the term fossil fuel, you use the term organic fuel, as I do, that would bring about a change. If you talk about carbon dioxide as part of the carbon cycle and essential for plant life, that would bring about a change. Anytime you change the language, you bring about a change. But you have to start changing the language and you have to start using it. Don't use their words. Don't use you know, transgender, you know, say transvestite, say cross-dresser, say uh, uh, gender dysphoria, say mental health issues, say anything you want, but don't say transgender because there is no such thing. You cannot be transgender. You are a gender. You are born with one. It's not even gender. It's sex. You're born with a sex. God gives you a sex based on the chromosomes, the XX or the XY, and that's it. That doesn't change. So you can't possibly be trans. So stop using the word transgender. There is no such word. It doesn't apply. It doesn't make any sense. There is no such person. You are either, you know, you're either under chemical or, or surgical mutilation or abuse or not. You know, it's like the vaccine. You didn't receive a vaccine. You're vaccine injured or your, your jab injured or your, your messenger RNA changed. But you certainly didn't get a vaccine to prevent a disease because it doesn't. It's certainly not safe and effective. So don't say it. Say it's dangerous and injurious. Injurious. Language, language. I can't tell you how important language is. Okay, let's get back to the article. <laughs> okay, so it says, and since there is no uh, objective, uh, only, I think I, I went a little bit too far. Let me go back just a little bit here. Oh, I read that, read that. Uh, here we go. And since there is no, so language is everything. You know, talking about, let me just read this last little bit here. It wants to ban gender pronouns, uh, exchange equality for equity. Oh, here we go. No, actually, no, I did. I, I, I went a little bit too far the other way. Oh, let's start here. There is the central goal. Their central goal. This is from the article. Uh, is hegemony power over all society in construct? There's no objective reality, no right or wrong, but only the power of cultural hegemony imposing a worldview on the people. This I remember that part. In this drive for cultural hegemony, the left seeks to change the language. It wants to ban gender pronouns. There's only two. There's only two personal pronouns: I and me. You know, the other pronouns, the, the second person are, are he and she. The third person, I, I forgot what it is, you know, talking about yourself in the, you know, as if you're, you're somebody else. Anyway, those are, your, those are your pronouns. You know, I and me, uh, he, she, and they, and we. Th- those are personal pronouns. That's it. <laughs> you know, if you're talking about I and me, those are your personal pronouns. Those are the only two personal pronouns. So get your language right. Back to this article. It says it wants to ban it, meaning cultural Marxism, wants to ban gender pronouns, exchange equality for equity, which is giving preferences to minorities, and redefine freedom of speech to mean echoing and repeating a common cultural script. Yeah, if the freedom of speech means that you have to repeat what someone else has said, there's no freedom in there. And again, I still contend that freedom of speech implies the freedom to get the message. Otherwise, there's no freedom of speech. We should talk about that. I'll talk about it with Jonathan one day. Back to the article. And since there is no objective truth, right and wrong are determined by a global hegemony or tyranny. Everything, every human relationship, every institution of society is a manifestation of the power of one over the others. Yeah. Whites exploit blacks. Men exploit women. The old exploit the young. The rich exploit the poor. Europeans exploit indigenous people. 
Straits, employ, uh, straits exploit gays, bosses exploit workers, men exploit pregnant women, and so forth. And for each victimized cohort, there is an organization and a movement dedicated to its liberation, creating a mosaic of grievance to power political change. Let me say that again. For each victimized cohort, there is an organization and a movement dedicated to its liberation, creating a mosaic of grievance to power political change. That's exactly what's going on. The victimization industry, the separation of, of one from the other, that everybody's either an exploiter or a victim, is how they're getting political change. There's a huge difference between equality and equity. Okay? Uh, let me see if I can explain it. Equality is where we all have the same rights, we all have the same capability, we all have the same potential, and it's up to you to, uh, to do something. There's no, there's no restrictions on, on you as a person. You can live up to your potential. That's equality. All right? That's also freedom. Equity means everybody gets the same thing. Equity means that no matter how hard you work, you know, you get the same wage as somebody who does nothing. That's equity because everybody gets the same thing. So you see the difference? The difference between equality and equity is, is, is night and day. They're, they're polar opposites. You, know, you, can't, there, you can't have equity if we, if we have equality. You simply can't because equity implies taking from those that have more and giving to those that have less, from each according to his means to each according to their needs. That's Marxism. You know, that's what Marx said. Whatever your means are, Whatever you've accumulated as, as private property through your hard work, the fruits of your labors, doesn't matter. Because if somebody else needs it, they get it. And that's what Ayn Rand was so uh, railing about, or Ayn Rand, you know, in Atlas Shrugged, which I'm happy to watch a couple of movies on, which are rather, very, rather good, actually. All right. Political power, back to the article, political power stems from harnessing the envy and resentment of the victims welding them into a mosaic of change agents and a revolutionary army of cultural Marxists. Let me say that again. Political power stems from harnessing envy and resentment of the victims, wedding, welding them, excuse me, welding them into a mosaic of change agents and a revolutionary army of cultural Marxists. Mao, as in Mao Zedong, Mao famously said that political power flowed from the barrel of a gun. But to cultural Marxists, it flows from a dogma of ideas imposed through all of society's sources of information. And I would add restricting those that they disagree with. In other words, action radio. Back to the article. A social media platform can replace Mao's entire army in creating a hegemony of its ideas. See, they don't need this foot soldiers. They don't need to throw everybody in a gulag. You're in a mental gulag. Everybody's in a mental gulag if you go along with big tech. If your only sources of information are what they tell you the sources of information are, you're a mental prisoner. They don't have to lock anybody up. They've already done it. They've locked up the information. What information you don't have access to is what makes you a prisoner. If you think that there was an insurrection in the Capitol January 6th, if you think that Biden is the president, if you think that there's a Biden administration, uh, if you think that uh, any number of different things out there, you know, if you think that Black Lives Matter cares about black lives, you know, all these different things. If you think the vaccine is safe and effective, if you think it's a vaccine, none of that is true. None of it. If you think any of those things, you're in a mental prison. You need to open your mind. You need to escape. You need to get a jail free card. Action radio, alternative media, different media sources. Look for the information. They can't completely stop it, but they can make you fear it. And I think this is the point. They know they cannot completely suppress action radio because I have listeners more and more all the time. Nowhere near as much as I want, nor as much as we deserve, nor is it growing as fast as it would without the restrictions. But they can't completely stop us. Fortunately, Blog Talk Radio allows me to say what I say here, the truth. 
you know, and because they don't restrict that, it's out there. But what they have restricted is your, but, but you don't, you, meaning the listeners, uh, don't share the show like you could. I know you don't. If you don't share every show every day, you're not sharing as much as you can. If you're not reading the bills, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to require everybody to do this work. I do it because I love it because I love freedom. And this is, this is the way I intend to uh, bring as much freedom to as many people as possible worldwide. But if you just do a little bit, open your mind up a bit, get some of your, your, your thought back, get out of the prison, you know, start putting your foot out the door and then put your other foot out the door and then your whole body out the door and then become completely free to be open to information. It's, it's the matrix. The matrix is one of the greatest films ever. The matrix, the red pill and the blue pill. Are you a blue pill person? Do you believe the fantasy? Oh, the vaccine is safe and effective. If I, if I pay my mortgage and have a family and have kids and go to work at a job I hate, you know, a marriage I can't stand and, uh, you know, and then I'll be, I'm a good person. I'm normal. <laughs> okay. If you believe that kind of nonsense, if you believe that uh, everything is just sports and entertainment and fantasy and all these things that are supplied for you, then you're a blue pill, blue pill person. If you're like me and a bunch of other folks, if, you, if, you, if you're like me, you probably listen to the show. Then you're a red pill person. That you see the BS, you see the, the, the things that are going on. You change the language to fit yourself. You come up with brand new terms like organic fuels instead of fossil fuels. You're creative. You're not bound by the restrictions of society. You're not bound by the fear because you don't have any fear. Okay? One, of the, one of the freest things you can do is to go through life without fear. Well, am I scared of things? Sure. You know, I, mean, I, I, want to rock on, I don't want to walk under a ladder with a bunch of paint on that might fall on my head. And that, that's just common sense. But there are fears, too. There's all kinds of fears, you know, of things that might happen. You know, if I get another hurricane that comes through here, you know, will it carry me with it? You know, that's or or I get crushed by any number of things. That's a fear. Okay, but I can deal with that fear by not being here. (laughs) Okay, so if you're so but your your mental fear is the hardest one because you can't escape your brain. You can't you can't escape your feelings and you can't escape your emotions. So if you're going to cure yourself of this fear, you have to do it yourself. Okay. And you're the only one that can do it. See, here's, that's, that's the flip side of this. The only person that can cure your fear, that can get you out of cultural Marxism is you. You're the one that has to take the chance. You're the one that has to challenge your thoughts. You're the one that has to defy people. You know, when you see somebody with a mask, just kind of, you know, snicker to yourself, go, <laughs> what are you wearing that for? You know, and I used to do that. You know, when, when uh, you're not wearing a mask. You know, they say, where's your mask? I said, what mask? Why don't you have a mask? I don't have a mask. Why, why would I need a mask? Why are you wearing one of those things anyway? You know it doesn't work. And I say this to people, right? Right in the grocery store. Anybody who saw me in the grocery store during, during the mask era knows that's exactly what I did. I said, why are you wearing that? Isn't that kind of stupid? Well, I, I, I need this to... Do. No, it doesn't. I said, you, you take the size of a virus and the size of the spaces in that, in that, uh, that piece of cotton you're wearing over your face. And I said, uh, you know, that virus just runs right through. You know, try breathing out. See how easy it is? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, you, you, know, you just breathe out. And when you breathe in... <laughs> Everything, everything goes out and can come back in. I said, besides, that's a Petri dish in front of your face. That's not a mask. What? Yeah, you're growing your own bacteria in that, in that mask. And then you're breathing it back in. Hmm, interesting thought. I can't tell you how many people took their masks off. <laughs> they probably put them back on when they left me. But by the time when they were with me, they're like, I didn't know that. So of course you didn't know that. You could have if you thought about it. Why would you breathe warm air you know, into, a, into a Petri dish in front of your face and then breathe it back into your system and keep that mask on for hours and hours? Inherently, that makes no sense. So anybody could have taken their mask off simply because it made no sense to wear one, especially for any length of time. Well, you have to wear it to protect other people. Oh, okay. Well, they can wear a mask too. Let them wear a mask if they think it's protecting them. I mean, the logic of this is fascinating. The, the, the crazy, you want to talk about a gulag, a mental prison? I'll tell you, the biggest mental prison uh, are those people that were wearing a mask in a car by themselves with their windows rolled up. Okay? That is insanity. <laughs> that, and, and we, we used to joke around. 
know, when the mask thing first came out, yeah, I bet you we're going to see people wearing it in, the, in their car by themselves. And sure enough, they started doing it. And I just point and laugh. I'd be sitting in a traffic light looking across from somebody, you know, wearing a mask in a, in a closed-up car, and I'd just laugh. I'd point and laugh at them. Sometimes they roll down the window. What are you doing? I said, well, why are you wearing a mask, you know, in a, in a car that's locked up and you're the only one there? Well, I, I'm doing my part. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the gulag. So your car is now a gulag. Your brain is a gulag. Your, your soul, your mind, your heart, your emotions, everything about you is in a gulag unless you're willing to be free. So let yourself out. It's kind of a nice world out here. Other things to be afraid of? Sure. But you don't have to be afraid of fear. You don't have fear. You're not inherently afraid all the time. That's the difference. All right. <sighs> a little bit left of this article. Mao famously said that political power flowed from the barrel of a gun. But to cultural Marxists, it flows from, the, from a dogma of ideas imposed through all of society's sources of information, which unfortunately doesn't include action radio anywhere near as much as it should. It says a social media platform can replace Mao's entire army in creating a hegemony of its ideas. But a singular feature of this revolutionary movement is that it can never succeed. The grievance remains forever, festering and empowering change agents. No reform legislation, no civil rights law, no degree of social acceptance, no alteration in vocabulary can ever remedy the grievance. The need for the social movement is permanent, and thus, so is its political power. Yeah. Let me try that one again. The singular feature of this revolutionary movement is that it can never succeed. All right, so I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. So uh, I'm going to read that. So is, is he for it or against it? I'm, I'm sort of missing something. It says, but a singular feature of this revolutionary movement is that it can never succeed. The grievance remains forever, festering and empowering change agents. No reform legislation, no civil rights law, no degree of social acceptance, no alteration uh, in vocabulary can ever remedy the grievance. The need for the social movement is permanent, and thus so is his political power. Okay, I know what he's saying. I figured it out. All right. So he, what he's saying is that there's never enough. There's never enough equity. There's never enough you know, reparations. There's never enough social justice. There's never enough money. There's never enough transfer of wealth. There's never enough guilt. There's never enough control. There's never enough. You know, you look at any movement from LGBTQ to Black Lives Matter to Antifa to transgender, there's never enough, no matter what you want, gun control, there's never enough. Even if every gun in this country were confiscated, every bullet in this country was confiscated, it wouldn't be enough. They'd want more. They want to restrict where you can go, what you can do, whether you can have a knife or not, whether you can have a steak knife, whether you can have a, a metal knife. It would never stop. That's what this is all about. Let me go back to the article. We're almost done. Diane's on the line. She's, <laughs> in fact, there's, there's quite a bit more <laughs> to this article. I'm going to have to pick this up tomorrow. Uh, and it says, so it says, culture, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll end with the problems. Then we'll, we'll get the cures uh, probably tomorrow. Uh, all, right, see, all right, here we go. He says, in achieving, this is back to, to uh, Dick Morris, in achieving greater racial justice, for example, we have banned slavery, integrated schools, elected blacks in direct proportion, uh, to their population, chosen an African-American president, assured that minorities are heavily represented in the top ranks of politics, economics, media, and entertainment. But the envy festers, and each new victory simply whets the appetite for more. A temporary movement meant to remedy a specific injustice becomes a permanent political force once the evil that impelled it is vanquished. Civil rights is a perfect example. Civil Rights Act stops segregation. Okay, where are we now? 
affirmative action and everything else. There's never enough. That's my contention. I'll add that. There's never enough. The left will never be satisfied. There's never enough Marxism. There's never enough property to be, to be taken from you. There's never an, an, enough rights that you can be deprived of. It doesn't matter what it is, climate change, you name it. There's never enough until you are naked, eating bugs, and living in a gulag. Never enough. And even then, there won't be enough. Then your behavior will somehow be wrong, and you still need to be reeducated and corrected. Back to the article. While democratic society moves from a zero-sum analyst of power, <laughs> I win, you lose, to a more enlightened, non-zero view, I win, we both win, uh, if I lose, we both lose too, the cultural Marxists will have none of it. Power is competition with winners and losers, and all losers must fight together to upend the social order so they can win. By the way, there's no winners in cultural Marxism because everybody's always a loser, which means they always want more. Cultural Marxism has no room for the individual. It doesn't matter who gets the Nobel Prize or the gold medal or who becomes president or who gets what financial reward. The cohort must move up or down together with its unity powered by a common sense of victimization and a resulting tribal demand for unity. A sprinkling of success stories doesn't matter. The next section, how to counter cultural Marxism. Guess what? I'm going to pick that up tomorrow. Now, I don't have a theme for, for Diane yet. It's just gonna, it's in the works. It will, I will get to it, but uh, I've been doing others in the meantime. Whew. Diane, you listen to the last hour? I'm, I'm kind of on a roll here. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Oh, okay. Just got on. I, I should stop asking that question because everybody has like a life outside of action radio. And you know, everybody calls in and goes, you know, but it's fascinating, especially if you get to listen to other reports. There is, there is some kind of a consistency here uh, to this. Well, I don't have a theme for you, so let me just play this. We'll give you like a, uh, uh, um, yeah, here we go. Now, the Election Integrity Report and the Medical Freedom Report with Diane Warner. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> I like that. I, yeah, yeah. Wake, so I, I can make up a up. theme on the spot. <laughs> yeah. We need to wake you up. Yes. Being awake is, 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 is sort of like a prerequisite for doing the show. Although there have been days. <laughs> when I've all, I, I, sh, I shouldn't confess this. Seriously, back in the time when I was... Uh, you know, working crazy full time and uh, doing the show full time, and I only had two hours for the show. I almost fell asleep a few times at the microphone. I don't know what would have happened, but I was so exhausted. Yeah. I was so beaten you down. Snoring. And, um, well, actually, hosts have done that because you know when they have these ridiculous schedules, you know it can't happen. Uh, fortunately, I'm in much better shape now, and, and uh, the show's doing much better. Uh, so I'm not in that position. But there were times. Yeah, or yeah. Hey, you know, well, maybe now if I really boring guest, it can happen sometime too. But uh, you've been busy. Uh, anything you had the, yeah, uh, oh, the inauguration That's last week? Let's, let's let's pick it up from the inauguration and just kind of tell me your story. Tell me what's going on. Well, I I kind of wanted to start with the Brunson case because okay, start that, with that. Um, I'm open. They just they you know we were very sad to see, and and I know it was a really a long shot to be able mm-hmm. to win this case. But I did text Loy and I said, hey, if you want to call in today and give us an update. Yeah. His time is 8 to 9. So that's why I just wanted to pop that on at the beginning because watch for his call in case he does. Loy, come back, Loy. <laughs> come back to Action Radio. Well, it's I literally a shout out. Him, you know, if he wants to start some. Yeah. <laughs> I also asked him if he wanted to start some legislation with us, too. 
So, um, but you know, it's wonderful? sad to see that. Yeah. Well, I said that. I uh, sad to see that that case that didn't go. But then, on the other hand, if it did happen and then Trump got back in, it'd be too soon. I don't want Trump to come back to office after January twentieth. Well, no, wait a minute. There's a, there's a way. There's, there's a way, though. No, Twenty Second Amendment. Let me let me uh, quote you my theory. And uh, uh, he can't come back January twentieth, but he can't come back January twenty first. Oh, let me get the right one here. Yes. Not until January twentieth. That's what I'm saying. Well, well, or no, actually, on the twenty-first, he has to serve less than two years in order to be able to run again. Exactly. In twenty twenty-four. That's why I don't okay, want him so, to come back until after the twenty, after the twentieth. Okay, so you're on, you're on board with Which me. Which is the twenty-first. Same thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Good. So, so is that because of what I talked about on the show, or you came about this through independent knowledge? Where Where did you get this from? I'm no. curious. Okay. I knew it already, right. but um, and you, and then you confirmed it with me. So. Okay. I just um, I. I thought, you know, it's too early, so, but I don't know if they do an appeal on this case. I, I, it's still a long shot. Um, I didn't think it was ever going to go, quite frankly. I, I mean, I admired them for bringing the lawsuit. It brought a tremendous awareness, yeah. the fact that there is no allegiance to the oath of office, that there is no consequence for not doing it. Now, we still have Title 18, uh, Article uh, Section 241, you know, which is conspiracy against rights. This is what I think they should, and I talked about this with Lloyd. This is where they can go after these people. Say, look, and there's no, there's no exception for government. If any two people conspire to oppress the, and I've got it from memory, right, to oppress the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right, uh, that constitutes a felony, and those folks can be thrown in jail and fined a whole bunch of money. So I would take the Illinois legislature and Governor Pritzker right now for another bogus, quote, assault weapon ban, because that is blatantly unconstitutional, um, because all statutory laws that, that touch know, your my, rights. Yeah, go ahead. No able to my get son lives in Illinois. Uh-huh. Yeah, my son lives in Illinois. He was really mad about that law. He went out yesterday and, and bought some stuff before the law. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do, but he shouldn't have so, to do that. That's that's coercing commerce based on, on a threat and duress. No, but the thing is, what they really should be doing, in fact, if he wants to call in sometime, it'd be great to hear from him. What he really should be doing is saying, look, all these people need to be arrested. For, for oppressing uh, the exercise and enjoyment of our Second Amendment rights. They can't do that. I, you know, and this, I'm just trying ahead. to talk to him into moving here. I just want him out of Illinois. So oh, that makes sense. Hopefully he will. Yeah. want him yeah. closer. Okay. So that's hey, son of Diane, and we get your butt down here. We need yeah. you down here. Does he listen? <laughs> he won't be calling in. He works during this time. What, does he, so. Hopefully he catches the podcast. Does he listen to mom? Come on, tell me. Is no, he proud of you? Probably not. He doesn't, he doesn't listen to you? He's <laughs> no, not a liberal, is he? Okay. Do we want no, him here? No. Okay, fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, we want to hear because of your yes, son. But I mean, we, we may have to, uh, you know, uh, culturally un-Marxism him. him. <laughs> listen to the last hour. That, uh, no. That'll be explained. Yeah, okay, fine. No. He's a constitutionalist, for sure. Okay, good. Well, then yeah. let's get these He's Illinois a good folks. Guy. You know, but they should be pushing for these people to be arrested. Uh, on the grounds of, of suppressing our constitutional rights. See, this is the problem. See, at least, and I'll just spend a minute on this one, I'll get back to Brunson. But the problem is that there's no penalty for bringing about obviously unconstitutional laws and passing them. They, they go, well, we'll go take it back to the Supreme Court. We'll file a lawsuit. We'll take years and years. And people lose their rights. Every time that one of these bills passes, people lose part of their life part when they could be exercising this right. So it takes one year, five years. You know, it's like the New York case, you know, where they, uh, people could not carry um, you know, guns, you know, they, 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 they totally just rejected any kind of concealed carry permit. Uh, they said, well, you can get a carry permit, but then you can't. <laughs> you can get one, but we won't give one to you. Okay. So that takes part of your life. 
you can't get that part of your life back. You can't get, I can't get back yeah. the part of my life that I lived in California. Of course, it was my choice to live there. That's why I left, one of the reasons. But I can't get back that part where my Second Amendment rights were denied to me in California. Well, that's a theft. That's a stealing of your rights. And that, that your time is your life. So the idea these yeah. people can keep passing these gun control laws when they are literally stealing the, the life, during the life of that law, they are suppressing, oppressing, and removing your right that is your God-given right to exercise, particularly your Second Amendment rights, during the time that law is in effect. So we need to stop them pushing these laws in the first place and making it a, a, a criminal offense to push something so obviously unconstitutional. Just my thoughts. Well, I'm really liking the direction that our house is going. Um, okay. And a lot of the different things that they have, and that's all happened since we spoke last. Let's talk about how that. Many, I want, I want how to, many votes they had. I want to finish Brunson because Brunson is a critical case for people to understand. Do you remember the basic, uh, you, know, you want to give the basic, uh, as they say in law school, could you give us the facts of the case? Uh, well, it was the Brunson brothers did a civil lawsuit and they wanted to, to sue our government and made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And it was mm-hmm. in regards to the um, when on January 6th, we had over 100, I think it was 147 legislators who had proof uh, a lot of um, investigation that they had done that the 2020 mm-hmm. election was fraudulent and they really wanted mm-hmm. an investigation and were calling for an investigation. And somehow they got strong-armed into voting no on that day. After all the J6 happened, they went down into the basement and we believe, you and I, this is our opinion, but they uh, changed the vote and uh, well, they changed the vote, vote of enough to not have an investigation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was three hundred and what eighty-eight, three hundred eighty-five legislators that voted no for an investigation, and it was the Brunson brothers believed that this was a, a dereliction of their oath of office. Mm-hmm. So um, that's who they were going to try to take out, but it was that the Supreme Court denied hearing the case. On January 6th, which it was, um, they really thought that with the help, you know, there was a, a clerk that was helping them and giving them a lot of good advice, and and they since they put it on January 6th, it you know it really gave people a lot of hope. But I know there's an appeal coming. I'm not sure it'll do any good, but no, I don't. I don't think uh, it will. And, and people should understand that. And I, I'm watching some news stories on this. Apparently, the clerks are really helpful to a lot of people. It wasn't unique to the Brunson. Yeah. And so, uh, so the Supreme Court staff is very good about helping you file motions for the Supreme Court. The, the, the judges, and I don't say justices because the Constitution very clearly in Article 3 says the Supreme Court judges. So there's another one of those assumptions that aren't true. And so the Supreme Court judges are very loath to take you know, anything. Uh, there's like 178 courses where they wanted a writ of certiorari. It's one of those Latin words. It's hard to pronounce. Uh, and I think of the 178, they, they approved one, <laughs> you know, one case. Yeah. yeah. So it's not, it's not well, like I think it was like a, there's a clerk. There's a clerk that weeds them all out. So a lot of them don't even, the justices don't even see them. It, mm-hmm. it okay. makes me sad that that many people, there was over 50,000 letters written and it didn't mm-hmm. make a difference. Um, no, and, and I, I, I remember saying that, that uh, you know, even the amicus briefs are better, but the letters, you can't lobby the Supreme Court. You know, they don't, they yeah. don't take that kind of – it's a whole different organization. They don't even you know, see them. I wonder if they even saw them. Well, maybe, maybe not. But since they don't run for election, there's no point in worrying about it. 
You know, the only reason that our elected yeah. officials look at letters or, or count numbers or count phone calls is because that determines, you know, they're standing with uh, the folks that keep their job. Well, the Supreme Court already has yeah. their job, and they're, and they're under this ridiculous belief that they're there for a lifetime, which is nonsense. They're there for good behavior. So what they should be, they should have, uh, in fact, uh, 10 of the 12 should have been dumped after refusing the Texas case. Now. If the Brunson's now here's here's something for Lloyd. So next time you guys are chatting, or if he calls in today, I'll talk about this. What they should do, what they should do, is file a uh, either something with Congress or with the Supreme Court saying that ten justices, you know, should be removed for bad behavior. And I don't know where this would go. I have to go to both Congress and and the judges themselves sue on behalf of Texas. Say wait a minute, they said Texas, you know, didn't have standing. Well, standing's not a viable legal principle. You, you know, especially when it says in the Constitution that uh, conflicts between the states have to go to the Supreme Court first. They have original jurisdiction, not appellate. In other words, you don't have to go through lower, lower courts and appeal up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is constitutionally bound to take – they had no choice in this matter. They had to take the Texas case, and yet they didn't. But you don't so want to a, remove all 10 of them while we have a Democratic president, do you? <laughs> oh, see, this is when politics – all right, so wait a minute. So uh, this is a good point. All right, so, so, so the problem is that when you get political expediency, it's like, well, we have to get judges in while Trump's in office because they'll be good. You know, and then we have to – we can't let judges come in under Biden because they'll be bad. No. The proper position – and I know – I understand what you're saying, and I, to a large extent I agree with you. But the proper position is we need to control the court through the Constitution. The court has violated the Constitution, and they have 10 judges, excuse me, I almost misspoke, judges that have violated, that actually have violated their oath of office uh, to support the Constitution, which clearly says, and I'll show you exactly where it says it, you know, Article 3, Section 1. Give it, don't do that until Trump's back. Okay. All right. So, so, but, but if the Brunsons want to, it may take a while to do this suit. Let's, let's go to, all right, let's go to the house first, <laughs> you know, and say that uh, uh, instead of having the judges removed, let's say that they have to sue, that Congress has to reinstate that case in Congress, uh, in the Supreme court. So that Congress says that the Supreme court has to take this case, has to take the Texas election case. I think we're onto something here. Wait a minute. Let's follow this through. I think, I think there's a, the Texas uh, elections case, which is, which yeah. Is yeah. Do you remember the, uh, so the Texas case said, that uh, that uh, the citizens of Texas were disenfranchised from their vote because there was fraud in other states and because it was a national election, because it was an election electing electors, and the electors that were fraudulently elected in Arizona, New Mexico, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. took away Pennsylvania took away the vote of Texans to have a, have a have a full vote. It removed their vote because fraudulent votes obviously fraudulent votes, were there, and it was up to the Supreme Court to disqualify those either states or districts that, uh, that had the vote fraud. Now, I think the states should disqualify themselves, like Arizona should have thrown out Maricopa County. I don't care that it's 60% of Arizona's votes. There's fraud in Maricopa County. Maricopa County should be thrown out, and the other counties should count. The other 40% would determine the results of the election, and then we'd have Kerry Lake and you know, Donald Trump. Um, but that's, but that's what we might, if they want to pick up the lawsuit, don't go back to the Supreme court. They've already said, no, they're not going to turn around. They, they, they already have precedent for saying no, what we should, should do. And, and think about this and talk to Lloyd about this. Can we go to the house and say that the house, you know, as part of something with Supreme court of their author, see, the, the thing is we need to start over, we need to have oversight over the Supreme court. Supreme Court is this ridiculously independent institution that has no accountability. So why don't we say to the House that they need to pass a bill requiring the Supreme Court to take the case because that's what it says in the Constitution. 
that might be a better way to go than appealing something Hmm. that I think is going to get denied again. How's that for a thought? Yeah. Loy, Loy, we're waiting for you. Well, send in the podcast. Send in the podcast. Mark the time. I will. It's it's nine fifteen, so fifteen minutes into our chat. So for the for like the the, from like uh, you know the two hour and five minute mark to the two hour and, and fifteen minute mark. We, we, pre- we presented this brilliant <laughs> uh, analysis of what to do. But here's what it says in the Constitution. The judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution, the laws of the United States and treaties made, or which shall be made da, 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 affecting ambassadors, da, 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 to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction, that's on the high seas, folks, to controversies to which the United States shall be a party, that would be international law, to controversies between two or more states to controversies between two or more states of cases arising under the Constitution, they have to take it. They have to take it. They just do. It's right there. Okay. When was that written and who, who wrote it? The Constitution? 1787. No, the Texas. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that's what you're asking, okay. Um, that's a good question. I mean, let's look it up... Uh, I got Pianchi in the line here too. I want to, I want to get your report. Uh, so let, let me just bring him on here for for a minute. Uh, Pianchi, details on the Texas uh, lawsuit. Do you do you know the dates? Do you know when it was filed? Otherwise, I'll look it up. Uh, it was uh, right close either before after the election. But you're absolutely right. The, the, the courts should have heard those controversies between those states. And the states at that time should have produced evidence. Hopefully, the states would have worked it out before themselves, with, between themselves, therefore not wanting to go to the courts. But you've seen the same sort of action that would have came out of them working out between themselves when Pence refused to take the Trump electors. So you got a bunch of corruption all over the place. Yeah, I don't think that was ever in the in the, in the case because they're really dealing with the oath of office. But um, you know, and December that's December eleventh, twenty twenty. Okay. It was December eleventh, twenty twenty. I just nine eleven. U.S. nine eleven. That's interesting. No, twelve. Twelve eleven. Okay. December eleventh, twenty twenty. A U.S. Okay. Texas lawsuit contesting twenty twenty election results in Senate. Okay, I'm gonna keep this here. Uh, well, what's interesting um, is that, uh, yeah, they didn't take all the battleground states, but that case should have been held. And I'm surprised that Lloyd didn't bring that into uh, the case. Now, the Supreme Court's already said that they didn't have standing, but they couldn't have said that. The Supreme Court had no, had no legal ability to say that they didn't have standing. In fact, Jonathan's ta- taught us that standing is a bogus legal principle anyway. You know, because the you Constitution says that Texas yeah. did have standing. Hold on, hold on just a second. The Constitution said that Texas did have standing in an Article 3, Section 2, when they said controversies between the states have to go to the Supreme Court. Bianchi. You know something? If you want to find out if the Supreme Court is right or wrong, see what Clarence Thomas say. That, that's your litmus. You smart yeah. one on the court. Yeah, actually, I think yeah. Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito are the only two that should be on the court. Everybody else needs to, be, needs to go. Um, Diane, let's get back to you. I want to, I want to see if, if why the Brunson case was rejected uh, in, in terms of strategy makes sense. Do you have a question on that? I want to make sure that, that you and everybody else gets it as to why it was rejected. 
Damn. Yeah, I'm thinking. Okay, you can <laughs> Go think. ahead. You tell us All what right. you think. Okay, so what they did was they were trying to hold uh, the members of Congress accountable to their oath of office. The Supreme Court, you know, unless they're making something up, like Roe v. Wade or gay marriage, things like that, the Supreme Court always you know, goes to the Constitution, and, and uh, more than that, they go to precedent. And as far as I know, there are no cases where anybody was ever held accountable to their oath of office, uh, and the, actual, the ruling of any court actually went in favor of that. And they probably wouldn't do that because there's nothing in the Constitution that requires allegiance to the oath of office. There's nothing in it that implies a penalty for failing to hold the oath of office. And quite frankly, I wouldn't want one because it becomes very subjective. This is another reason I think they rejected it. It becomes incredibly subjective to upholding the oath of office means. What if the left interprets the oath of office to support and defend the Constitution? And I've used this example before. It says, well, the Constitution says you have to promote the general welfare. You have to make sure people are taken care of. So anytime the Congress doesn't, you know, give everybody welfare or, and the Supreme Court allows them to do that, they're all violating their oath of office. And they have a lawsuit on that. And that's a completely bogus lawsuit, but the left would do that. Or if they say we have a right to life and there's people out there with guns. Well, well, they might take your life. They can't have guns. That, that, that goes against my right to life. And any, any constitutional, you know, the Congress and the state legislatures that don't pass you know, gun confiscation are violating my right to life. That's what they would do. So for many reasons, it's a good thing the Brunson case didn't go forward, even though they had the right idea. They just went about it the wrong way. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. That's my thought. Pianki, do you have a thought on Brunson? And then we'll, uh, we have many things that uh, Congress is doing. No, I, I you, you know, uh, it's 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 confusing because things are all out of whack, <clears throat> and what I mean is, seem like people were willing to skip by A, B, and C and go to D, F, and G. That's the way I look at it. I, I say the power lies within, like for instance, that bill is in uh, Illinois is for the state legislature to uh, allow a law that would violate the U.S. Constitution. It's just mm-hmm. baffling to me. It just baffles me. Well, you know it's going to get overturned. Let me ask Diane this question, too. We know it's going to get overturned. We know it's unconstitutional. They did it anyway. So why do these people feel that they can do a, you know, write a law that obviously is, is unconstitutional? They don't care, and they're going to get away with it. That law is going to have a life. So, so until that law is overturned, again, which is what we were talking about earlier, this law takes away people's lives, part of their life, the life that they could be exercising their, their, their full Second Amendment rights. Why do they think they have the, they have the no ability to do this? There's no accountability. There's no okay. accountability. All right. But there is accountability mm-hmm. if it's enforced, and that would be Section, exactly. Title 18, Section 241. So the accountability is in law but it's not being used. Yeah. So this is where groups, exactly. you've got groups, you know, you work with people on election integrity and things like that, but this is anything, I've got to talk to Tina about working with gun groups, but this is where the gun groups have fallen completely flat because they should not only get these laws overturned, but they should punish the people that keep pushing laws that are obviously unconstitutional as a denial and oppression of the exercise and enjoyment of our constitutional rights under Title 18, Section 241 and 242 in law enforcement enforces unconstitutional laws. It's hard laws. to do that when your judicial, it's hard to do that when your judicial system is corrupt and they won't hold them accountable. Yeah. So then you got to throw well, them out and it's clean house. That's what we need to do. 
Okay, let's let's, let's know, focus on cleaning house in a minute. I want Pianchi, let's get Pianchi's comment real quick, and then uh, let's get back to how we clean house. On the on the issue about the judicial system being corrupt, it's never tested the way it should be. Everybody want to go to the supreme rather than going to the inferior. Inferior. It all starts with the inferiors at the state level, and I don't see that being played out. Everybody want to get on the bus and ride up to Washington D.C. And go to the uh-huh. Supreme Court. You have the power in your own state within your own inferior courts in that state. You even got a Supreme Court of the state. Nobody uses that. Well, let me ask. Uh, let me ask Diana a question because she she knows all kinds of stuff like this. Uh, is federal law supreme to state law? No. Okay. Why? And I think I'm not, I'm not testing you. I'm using this as an example no. as to as to why I, to illustrate Pianchi's point. Go ahead. Well, I believe that if we clean up our local areas, mm-hmm. it'll filter back up. And once we get our local areas and our make sure that your sheriff is on board and that you can actually have accountability in your local area, clean up your politicians in your local area. And then start working your way up the food chain. And I, I think that it's the hard way to do it, but it's the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let me give you my answer to the question. Uh, is federal law supreme to state law? It's the same thing you said. No, but for a completely different reason. Because federal law and state law are completely separate. The whole point of the Constitution was to separate the jurisdiction. This is what federal. This is the definition of federalism. This is the definition of a republic in many ways. That these that the federal government has a very specific uh, uh, list of duties that are outlined in the Constitution. They cannot make up powers that are not delegated specifically in the Constitution. That's what the Tenth Amendment's all about. We have a right to be free of anything that the federal government makes up. That is a constitutional right. So the, that the Tenth Amendment overrides anything that they do that is not specifically delegated to them. So federal law is never supreme to state law uh, unless they have a jurisdiction in that particular area granted to them by the states. Most people don't understand that, and that's really the key. Exactly. Federal federal courts both listen to those uh, issues dealing with the federal government. Uh, Whiskey stamps, for instance. Uh, Commerce. Treaties with other countries. That's where the federal courts come in. But the state has all the power, but mm. for some reason, society has been acclimated to believe that the first place you run when you don't, when, when, when uh, daddy don't allow you, you run to mama, and they want to run up there to the Supreme Court. And that's yeah. why the Supreme Court, hey, they say well, to themselves, this is not responsibility. Yep. And here's why they run to the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court has given themselves power that they don't have. They have judicial review. They've given themselves the power to make laws and regulations and policies. They've given themselves the power to make anything that they want. And they've also given themselves the power to be exempt from any oversight. That's the problem. All right. Let's, let's, I want to get back to Diane. And you mentioned some of the things. We've been over this a little bit on the show beforehand, but you only hear once a week. I just want to call back more often. But what, what, did, what struck you from Congress that, uh, that you think is in the right direction? And feel free to, to list them individually, and we can, we can, we can hash them out. Oh, so what do you think? I've got to find them. Okay. I've got to find them. Um, I can think of some of no, them. No, I... Mm-hmm. You yeah, post them. I had a you post them on... Uh, I did. Okay. Well, let's I take what they've done already. They, they passed a, a bill cutting the funding for the 87,000 IRS agents. That's the first thing. 
That was good. They actually they actually did that. So They're truck up one for the omnibus. Yeah, no more omnibus bills. Uh, they're going to, I think you can't, like one item per bill. That was pretty awesome. Mm, that's not what an omnibus bill is, I understand it. Because if it was only they, one item I, per bill. I, I'm not looking at them, I haven't found them yet, but yeah. I thought okay. it, I read where they could, they could, you know, they wanted to limit the amount of things that were on a bill. Okay, which is, which is good. Now, no one subject increases. on a bill. One subject on a bill. You know, but if I if yeah. I do vaccine product liability, uh, which is one subject, and my bill uh, overturns the declaration of emergency, uh, it takes you know shall not makes it shall in in a couple of different places in law, uh, it gets rid of the vaccine um, uh, injury fund because big pharma is going to pay it. Uh, and the fourth thing that I haven't really talked about a lot, um, but it also has a provision that says that states and the federal government cannot make it more difficult to bring a lawsuit against big pharma. That's five items. I wouldn't, I, I couldn't, you know, if it was, it was a single item, it wouldn't work, but it's still a single subject, yeah. vaccine product liability. I just want to make that clear. I mean, you yeah. know me, I'm, I'm a word guy. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about he said that COVID omnibus bills. Will be ended. Well, no, let's go back to omnibus bills. This, I, I this, is, this is, okay. it's really important to get the concept of an omnibus bill because what they're doing, and this is, this is absolutely critical, uh, is that they're breaking the budget into 12 separate appropriations bills. So an omnibus bill is a bill that funds the entire government in one bill. 4,000 pages, nobody has a chance to read it, no one knows what's in it until it's passed. Even then you don't know what's in it. Cause, you know, we, we talk about people not reading bills before they're passed. I don't think they read them after they're passed either. I don't think they have a clue. I think it yeah. goes on automatic pilot, and the bureaucrats take over. Well, it says they must be a single issue. So I think that okay. is better than... I just my Agreed. verbiage is wasn't correct, but it's a no, single okay. issue no, but, and allow but then, at least seventy-two hours to read them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Talk about seventy-two hours. Is that enough? What do you think? Just not enough time. Okay, Diane. Well, if they put out, you know, if if they don't drop the whole thing in seventy-two hours, if they actually start letting you read portions of it in advance, then it would be okay. But um, yeah. Well, there's a problem. Would be good. Yeah, there's a problem though, because many bills go through several uh, revisions and several, like, so, so say we sub, we submit a bill to Congress. Well, let's say uh, our big tech bill. Our big tech bill goes to the the communications committee. They look at it, they hash over it. You know, we get to the House first because that's the only place it's going to go, right? So they look at it, they hash over, it, they change some language, and then they pass a version out of committee. Bill goes to the, to the floor. Well, they add some more amendments and they take away some more stuff, right? And then they pass a, a version of it that barely resembles what we sent them, right? Then it goes to the Senate. If they take it up, their committee is going to add even more things and take away more things. And then the full Senate is going to add and take away more things and it's going to go back to the House. Well, unless, if they can't agree on the Senate version, then they have to go to a conference. So they get groups of the senators and groups of, of House representatives together and they hash out yet another version of the bill. So you, you can, and, and if you do any legislative tracking, you go to a legislative website and they'll show you the different versions of the bill. And that's why they, you know, this is why we're going to establish a tracking uh, function for our bills. Once, uh, this, uh, once I get the, you know, a lot of bills into, or a few bills into the various legislatures, we're going to have a tracking set up here. I just need a new webmaster and because, you know, the hospital killed my, my previous one. Um, but um, no. go ahead. But that's the problem with, with, with publishing bills too early. Yeah. Go ahead. It had to be time for public review. 
Yeah. It seems like, I mean, if you get 72 hours mm-hmm. for every time that you have an update on it, you, you're going to end up at the end of the season and not have any bills. <laughs> hmm. they, well, no, what they're going to do. I think we need to extend our hours of working. <laughs> well, I think what they're doing is, is 72 hours in the final version. So whatever version has, has, uh, has already passed or is up for a final vote. I think that's what it is. So in other words, what, whatever they agree to okay. for a final vote, and it's probably in either house, probably just in the house. So when, when the house is ready to vote on the final version of a bill, yay or nay, that's when they put it up for 72 hours of review. And I'm, I'm with Pianchi. That's not enough time. I would go 30 days. That would be my time for a bill. And appropriations bills over a billion dollars should be 60 days. Those those bills should be posted for public review. Well, they are actually. They're they're posted. If you if you go to the, uh, Dan, I'm going to get to you in just a second here. But if you if you go to the legislative sites of both the House and the Senate of Congress, they do post each version. You get the you get the, the original submission. You get the one out of committee. You get the one out of the floor. They do post those. Those are available for public review. The problem is nobody reads them. Diane, back to you. Um, are you done with that one? You want me to keep mm-hmm. reading? Well, unless you had another comment on it. Feeling? Unless you had a further mm-hmm. comment on it. Okay. Continue, please. Uh, COVID mandates will be ended during the, and including the funding for them, which mm-hmm. is excellent. Yep. Uh, no more increases in the debt ceiling. Restoration. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Let's go back to COVID. Let's go back to COVID. Uh, unless you have a lot of other stuff, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hash over each one of these. Lists, I, you know. You don't want to? You got more things to do? I have. Tell me. Well, I had some other things that I wanted to discuss about. Okay, so the, then why don't I let you stuff. comment on those, and then let's get to other stuff, because we've only got about 27 minutes left. So hold up, Yankee, hold up me. Tell me what you think of the remaining issues. Um, well, we had uh, a discussion with Dave Clement, you and I did, and I was asking him, and it was a, a Zoom and trying to pick his brain on what to do for our county. I asked him about, I, I'm concerned about our ballots in our county and our ballots in the state of Florida, that who prints them. Mm-hmm. And I know we've kind of gone over this one other time before, but in Florida, um, our oldest and our largest ballot printing company was printing. It was sold to Cathedral Printing out of Rome, New York in 2017, right after Trump's inauguration. And they print all the ballots for two-thirds of Florida. Uh, their CEO is Marianne Gage, and she's a huge supporter of the Democratic Party. She donates a lot to Act Blue monthly, so I find that as a huge conflict of interest. But um, one thing that that concerns me greatly is that our uh, top SOE, Mark Early, um, his wife is she is one of the employees that works for this company here in Florida. But she won't go by early and as her name. She goes by Stacy Rodriguez. So that is extremely concerning to me. And then when I was at, we had a meeting. Uh, one of my team and I had a two-hour meeting with Kathy uh, last Friday. Kathy is our Secretary of Elections here at Santa Rosa County. And she was telling us uh, that for our um, printing of our ballots, what's not the ballots, it's the postcards that they send out from our SLE's office here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's through a company called Evergreen, and it's an NGO. And um, so we're handing our 
an NGO a whole lot of power because they send out all of our postcards to say, hey, are you uh, still living at this address? You know, you haven't um, responded and, you know, you haven't voted in since the last election cycle or two election cycles. And then before, no one was ever having to do anything about these postcards. If they were never sent back, they just didn't do anything about it and left them and let our voter rolls get really blurred. But this company um, is responsible for mailing out all of these postcards and uh, that it was almost a carrot that I was asking, you know, why they picked this company. I'm like, well, they're giving us a good deal on postage. <laughs> and um, it just made me really nervous because that name. And I'm, I'm, I don't know, there's a whole lot of coincidences that have happened in the last two years, but that name is, is very um, alarming to me, Evergreen. So that was Hillary Clinton's code name. So I asked them, and I didn't know, I don't know anything about them, so I asked a few people to start looking into them. And I also asked uh, Dave Clements the other day on our Zoom. And he feels like they're, he doesn't have a lot of information on them either. So anybody want to do any investigation into this Evergreen company and find out if they're legit? So, And I also uh, sent Dave Jersey. Jersky, uh, I forgot his first name. He's the Red Belly Road in Lake County guy. Uh, mm-hmm. His last name is And I asked him if he knew anything about Evergreen, and he doesn't. So we're going to have a lot of people digging into Evergreen because they have a lot of influence in our county. If they are completely responsible for casting out all the postcards to anybody, they they have a lot of our personal information. Well, they know who's voted and who hasn't. They they can sell that information to the Democrat Party or the Republican Party. They can sell that information anywhere. Or, or not send the postcards at all. Or not send the post exactly. Yeah. Well, we had a – in fact, we're, we have an election bill in the works, and um, that Diana and I are working on. And one of the provisions uh, that, from my old election bill is that all registrations expire every year. That would take care of it. All the corruption, all the problems, and yeah. all the things are really taken care of by having the, the, all registrations expire. And so you just re-register. You know, and we can make it fairly simple. If you've already registered in, in your county previously, you, you've proven your citizenship with your birth certificate, passport, naturaliz- naturalization papers, or something like that, uh, and you haven't moved. <laughs> and you can prove that you haven't moved. Uh, you know, you've got a current driver's license at the same address that you registered under, and then you're good. However, <laughs> if anything's different yeah. on all those things, you've got to go to the office and start again. Um, but uh, that's, that, would, that would take care of all this kind of stuff. There's so much that can be taken care of by simply getting rid of the registrations every year that you don't need the study. You don't have to look into – well, we have to look into Evergreen for other reasons if they're printing the ballots. And I want to ask you about that in a minute too. But think of an issue regarding registration that, wouldn't, that, that, that couldn't be taken care of by having everybody's registration expire December 31st at midnight. Can you think of one? I can't. No. I think it's a great idea. Well, thank you. I have my moments. It is, definitely. It is. <laughs> well, one of them is getting you off track show. when you're – what's that? Yeah, exactly. So also, too, just for a strategy, because um, we – you know, for folks that don't know, I don't talk a lot to reporters when they come up – before they come on the show a lot of times, so I never know exactly what's going to happen. If you have something in particular, you say, look, I really want to talk about something else. Just tell me. Just say, look, I've had enough of this. Yeah, I'm going to do did. this. And, and yeah, I know you did, yeah. But I'm saying <laughs> that's do. okay. 
and that's and that's that's cool. I that's do want to cool. go through all of the rest of the. Um, I just wanted to make sure that I got this in about the ballot because if anybody has any information, please get in mm-hmm. contact with. How, how can I contact you? We did find that. A, do you have some public, uh, oh. either a public email or public, or or through the Action Radio Election Integrity uh, group on Facebook, or how should people get in touch with you? Yeah, Action Radio and Election Integrity Project on Facebook. Okay. So. But I would definitely still want to go through the um, the legislative ideas that they are forced to get passed. I'm going to finish that in a little bit. But I just really wanted to make sure that this got in. So if anybody has any ideas, the mm-hmm. the company that owns Evergreen, the name, the family name is Keen, K-E-E-N. It's what hmm. some, uh, one of my researchers dug out. But um, we still need to keep digging into them. If anybody's had any any problems with that company are good things too, but it is it is a national company. It's not in it, it. I know that some people that I don't particularly trust that are in uh, our county right now use them as well. <laughs> so and that they, they print the ballots too. too. Wow, you can say no, you can name names I, if, you, you know, if you have definites, but otherwise, if they're public people, we can name names if no, not, I don't. Uh, okay. No, but I you know I that is one question I did not ask Happy if they print the ballots as well. Um, I need to ask that. I know that they have we... postcards and they handle all the postage and everything. Yeah, that's crazy. Why doesn't the county do it? Why don't they do it themselves? Why would you contract that to a private company of of privileged, personal, private voter information? Why would they? Why would that ever go to anybody except because the government itself? Because they got the carrot. Because because they got the carrot. It was, um, and that's exactly what I, I'm going to say. Democrats do. <laughs> go ahead. They, nope. they promised. Postage, cheaper postage. They're saving money. How can they so do that, though? Can them how, can, how, how can they? Yeah. The gov- doesn't the government have free postage to send to people? No. They, they're paying really? $1. like eighty, a dollar eighty a ballot to mail those out. Oh, it's a ballot that they're Oh, okay. All right. Now, now, our, is this Evergreen Company? So what is a private company having anything to do with our, 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 our sacred ballots? Now, do we have anything like but see, the? This uh, is not the ballots. This is the postcard. This is not the ballots. Okay. This is the postcard. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.